On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we're off to the Old West with Numi Rapace and Matthias Schonartz in Django on Sky. We're investigating a suspicious death in Spain with Sophie Rundle in The Diplomat on Alibi and reopening yet another cold case with Sanjeev Bhaskar in the long-awaited return of Unforgotten on ITV. And Sanjeev himself is with us a little later on to talk about that. Plus, Sam Claflin and Camilla Marone drop by as well to chat Prime Video's new show, Daisy Jones and the Six. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly guide to every show that matters and a podcast that will never stop trying to get Kay into Star Trek, even if her experience with The Next Generation last week was not, shall we say, a complete success. Uh, Speaking of which, the woman herself is with us here, which is handy, as being Kayless is a title reserved for the greatest warrior in Klingon history, (laughs) which you'd have no truck with uh, whatsoever. She's far more likely to be found keeping up with the Cardassians. Is this also a good joke? No, not really. Oh, my God. It's a good day to die for Kay Ribeiro. Hi, Kay. Hi, James. How are you? I'm good. I I mean, it will be lost on you, but I've got to be honest. That's, uh, and let's be honest, it will be lost on 90% of our listeners. But that Kayless joke was excellent. So it? I, it's important that I let you know that. I mean, the fact that you've had to say that yeah. and possibly explain later. K-less mm-hmm. and K-less is like this Klingon I- yeah. mythical hero. I mean, that you know. Boy, did you laugh? Laugh, I think, is, is, is strong a word. <laughs> internally, right. strong you a chuckled. Word. Yeah. Uh, Laughing I, I kind of acknowledged James's, the pleasure that James got yes. yeah, for coming up true. with those references. I, I was like, quite smug. I yeah. like how happy it made you. Oh, thank yeah, you. Exactly. Thank you. I, yeah. Boyd, Boyd is here as well, obviously. I don't have nice. a Star Trek pun for Boyd. What? Sorry, Boyd. Like A Boyd Joran. The Boyorg. Boyorgs. The Boydazoids. Wow. I don't know, that's all I've got. No. No? No. We're not having any of those. Boydorg. Boydorg. <laughs> it doesn't really work, does it? Not really. Not really. No. Uh, I have some news for you both which, to preempt the news section. Oh. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be- begin this podcast with a little bit of news. You know the Bastard Son and the Devil himself, yes. which we can all agree is an odd title. I've learned several things about the Bastard Son and the Devil himself. Okay. Tell us. Uh, and, and these are they. It is that, you know, in the original books, I think we talked about in the original books, they were called White Witches and Black Witches. And mm. in the show, they were called Fairborn and Blood Witches. Yeah. Mm. The editions of those books currently on sale in this country have switched out Black and White Witches for Blood and Fairborn Witches. Mm. So they've changed them, I can only assume, to reflect the show. But I, slash, did... And modern sensibilities. And modern sensibilities. Like Roald Dahl. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, indeed. They've, they've done a full roll doll. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, yes, they've inserted all sorts of things into these books. I don't know what else they've changed in these books, but uh, from what I gather, I read a thing, because we talked about this, didn't we? Like, why did they change the name of it? That mm. was an odd thing to do. By all accounts, it's because it's quite different from the books. I think Joe Barton said that they wanted to kind of separate it slightly, in the same way that um, Knock at the Cabin has a different title from Cabin at the End of the World because they wanted because it's quite different. They wanted to feel yeah. like it's a separate entity. However, Netflix have done a reverse ferret on that, realizing that maybe, maybe the name of the show has not helped it reach the youths. So if you go to Netflix now and you look at the Bastard Son and the Devil himself, it is now called Half Bad, colon, The Bastard Son really? and the Devil himself. Yes, they have retroactively wow. changed the name of the show, even after cancelling it, to, to make it seem more yeah. like palatable. That's a madness. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they'll do a reverse ferret on the cancellation as well. You think? Well, well if people suddenly start I mean, watching if they it, maybe. If they've done that because they think more people might watch it because of that, then that's an acknowledgement that it's been a detriment to the show and few people might watch it because of the title. Then at least give it a chance now that they've renamed it, that more no, people might come to it and I they think, might recommission it. 
They've they've just axed it. And how, it. by the way, how did you find out all this stuff? Were you like, are you on some kind of like special? I was, I, I was on, I was on, Hotline. yeah, that's right. It was on my while I was writing my bastard son slash fiction yeah. that I do yeah. on the weekends. Yeah. Uh, no, I was I was browsing the Netflix interface oh, and I do. saw it with my do. face eyes. Okay. Um, In between yeah. all the Star Trek stuff, Star Trek, Star Trek. I love a bit <laughs> of Star Trek. Star Trek. Uh, no, but I have, I have been journeying to the stars since we've kind of yeah. naturally segued yeah. into the what we've been watching segment. I will say uh, I've watched quite a few things, uh, and the first and foremost among them is for all mankind, uh, which I am now six episodes deep into the ooh. first season of, and. Oh, it's got me. It's got me at this ah, point. I'm in. Yes, I am in. Yes. I'm in. For, I'm on the moon. Yes, I am there. Yes. I am not being overly put off by the 70s setting at this stage. Do you know why I love it, Boydie? Because um, it's fucking good. Well, perhaps. But I got into an episode and I was like, I was like, yeah, I've been really enjoying this. And then I saw the episode started and it showed the credits for the episode. And it showed the writer of the episode. I think it was the third episode at the time. Mm. And it said, writer, Narain Shankar who, lest we forget, is the writer and showrunner of The Expanse. Uh, so oh, so combine the showrunner of The Expanse with the showrunner of Battlestar Galactica. And of course, this is a show tailor-made for me. All roads lead back to The Expanse. They do. I can't believe I didn't um, <laughs> use that piece of information before. Unless I did. Maybe I have. I don't you know that you have. Weren't, weren't listening. Well, most people like the Ron D. Moore connection alone should have been enough yeah, for me to, yeah, but to watch two, Combined, yeah. That's, yeah, the that's, two of them together. I was did like, she write on Battlestar Galactica as well? Uh, uh, he, he, in fact. Oh, no, he, Narain did not write on Battlestar Galactica. Narain, I thought you said yeah. Lorraine. No, Lorraine, <laughs> yes. Lorraine Shankar. No, it's Narain Shankar. But, um, you know, all you've got to do is throw in Stephen Knight and a bit of C, a bit of C goodness, and it's everything yeah, to me all in yeah. one place. But it's really really compelling and the thing that got me for this uh this is not gonna be what i would describe as a massive spoiler for the show it's thematic to the first season is like the all the race to the moon stuff i was a bit like yeah, a lot of people smoking a lot of balance a lot of toxic masculinity <laughs> but when they started getting in the female astronauts because obviously like yeah. the point is that the soviet union land a, a, a woman cosmonaut on the moon so yeah. it becomes training all these female astronauts then the plot gets really interesting because then you've got all the gender politics at play and the space race and you know the, the political machinations between the nixon government and nasa it's yes it's really good it's not i mean it's talky it's not exactly what i'd call high action at this stage no but uh it's great it built the generally there is action in in it but they that each season has like a massive action sequence usually maybe a couple and they but they build to it so it kind of builds up to a mm. head of steam and then you get this fucking incredible um set piece yeah which is which is really tense and but it is really compelling isn't it i think the characters actually are are pleasantly flawed yeah where all the characters are not quite they're not unlikable but they are problematic each in their own individual yeah, way yeah. like they're all very flawed characters which makes them interesting and you want to see how they how they deal with these various situations but yeah i'm, I'm yeah I'm, part of it is about yeah. isn't it if you're working at that level of mm. import to the world like you're working for nasa or the rivals and you're literally working on on historic stuff that it raises your level of kind of stress anxiety <laughs> egomania um etc to new levels and i think that is yeah that is that is really what's really interesting about it. What would it really be like? Yeah, what are these people who work on this stuff? This extraordinary, you know, history making stuff. Yeah. What 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 kind of world is that? What it's like to live in that situation? Yeah, I think that's what makes it so interesting. And also, like the moon stuff is extremely well shot. It's like it's done. incredibly yeah. that's the convincing. Thing, everything about it, even I think all of the you know alternate history stuff yep. is so authentic. It's like they work so hard at making it feel plausible. Mm. That it's 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 incredible. Well, it's that slight, it's that slight sort of like um. Oh, I don't know whether it's called a butterfly effect or whatever it is, but where like a simple thing, like you hear that uh, 
is it Bobby Kennedy like doesn't go to a party which yeah. would have derailed his yes. career so then becomes the presidential candidate so it's like all of history kind of diverges yeah. from that particular point it's yeah it's I'm yeah I'm liking it a lot very much enjoying that uh, I have also caught up on you I have watched the first half of You, and I have loved it. I was obsessed with that. I went down a You uh, yeah. rabbit hole on the weekend. Cool. Really, really enjoyed it. I will go so far as to say I think this is the best season of You. And you know what? Now that we know the fact that Penn Badgley does not want to get his kit off. Oh, a, you've ruined it, I boy. Know. You so, genuinely ruined the show. Boy told us about I this. Know. And now every time, I, so I'm on episode four, and now every time they're going to get down to it, I'm like, oh, look at him not taking his shirt off. Yeah. His, his he takes trousers. nothing off. He yeah. won't no. kiss her. Like, it's really, really noticeable. Yeah, yeah it's mad. That's yeah. not Once that's... you see it, you can't unsee it. I now. know, but also it was quite a sexy show. So it's a yeah. bit like, it's really weird. I don't. I don't know quite. Yeah, that that doesn't sit well with me. But I like the fact that they've they've reinvented the format of the entire series. Like it's just become this inverse whodunit. Yeah. And instead of him stalking, it's someone stalking him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's really interesting. And because the freshened first, it up, hasn't it? yeah, it has very much freshened it up. Like the first season was great. The second one I thought was less good, and the third one I'd actually genuinely got bored. I think I struggled a bit to get to the end of season yeah, three. Same. But this one, I thought this is fantastic. I can't put mm. it down. So we are going to do a spoiler special of this for Pilot Plus, which we were going to record this week and then you know didn't. Uh, but we will. We will do that one. Uh, but yeah, no, loving loving you. Looking forward to the next loving tranche you. Oh, loving of five. You loving you. <laughs> loving you both. Let me just say, no, the next tranche, so it, it's so whack that, you know, I, I just forewarn oh, you. I can't wait. Yeah. I can't, I cannot wait. How whack on a whack is the scale of it's whack? It's 11 out of 10. It's an oh, 11, wow. a level 11 They've turned whack. turned up to 11. They've turned so up to 11. So actual banana crackers? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Totally banana crackers, yeah. Oh, and then okay. they like follow through with it. It's like, because it doesn't, they don't wait to the end for this thing yeah they, they just yeah it, it, it's extraordinary <laughs> <laughs> that's all i'll say it's extraordinary yeah. um and don't google it either because i've seen people guessing the few no. people i've seen people guessing like someone on twitter in fact um I, luckily i saw this after uh, i watched the first few episodes didn't add you same. in no 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 not at oh. all i just happened to see someone talking about it on twitter and like, like completely ruining it yeah so um, i i have seen a thing about no. the second tranche, unfortunately. No. Uh, or rather, I didn't actually see the thing, but I was on I was on Twitter and someone mentioned that they had seen the thing and they mentioned the thing that they had oh. seen. And I was just like, oh, oh fuck's sake. I know, social yeah. media's awful. And also, that has to have been a journalist as well because, oh no, it was a trailer, wasn't it? It was a trailer. Well, I, I saw American, uh, what I what I saw, after, luckily for me, again, after I'd watched it, was American critics who were sent the um, second uh, half earlier. So it was down to a journalist. Okay, absolutely. fine. Because I know, I know, I think it was showing some promotion. Really yeah, absolutely. they're the worst. Twats. They are the worst. Speaking of absolute twats, uh, Joss Whedon's The Nevers obviously never got to show its second uh, its second half. You can see them. Do you know this? You can see the rest of The Nevers now. No. On Tubby. On what? On Tubby. Tubby? Yeah, they're streaming on Tubby. <laughs> you just like saying that <laughs> I word. Do, I do like saying Tubby. Um, but okay, so and here's where it gets quite confusing. If you go to their website, Tubby is, and I quote, the largest free movie and TV streaming service in the US. Uh, they're not currently available in the UK, so you will need presumably <laughs> some kind of VPN to view it there. But the way Tubby works is it's not streaming on demand. It's like traditional broadcast television, but streaming. So oh. basically you have to tune in at the appropriate time to watch it so if you wanted to watch the nevers you have to like pick a date and i think the next time it's showing is i think like first of march or something and then you have to set aside four hours to watch these episodes back to back when they stream on tubby or wait until testing people's commitment wasn't this like with the star trek thing i what pluto tv yes i think that was similar Similar, but it's just like this how regressive is that this is not how people watch television no uh so tubby while it is fun to say uh is not i don't think fun to watch so spell it 
T-U-B-I. Tubby. Like Mubi, but Tubi. 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 Oh, I'm going to call it Tubby. <laughs> Tubby sounds better. It could be Tubi, but I'm choosing to call it's it definitely Tubi. Tubby. No, let's call it Tubby. <laughs> let's like call that. it yeah. Tubby. Um, but yeah, so the Nevers is out there. I mean, obviously the Nevers is never coming back. So, no. But it's like there's another, what, like it's five, six episodes wow. left of the story. So... And I mean, have you, and have you watched? It? Oh no, I haven't uh, watched. It. Do you, I definitely don't have the patience to a find a, a way to get onto Tubby, James. <laughs> if anyone has patience to look up an obscure <laughs> second tranche of fantasy <laughs> episodes of a TV show, it's you. I do want to see it, but yes. I also don't want to like tune in at like eleven p.m. on the first of March and have to watch all of them back to back. Thanks very much, um, because this isn't nineteen ninety four, so not doing that. But anyway, should you wish to, and you wish to get onto. Tubby, <laughs> then, uh, then the Nevers is there for you. Uh, what have you guys been watching? Kay, tell me what you have been watching. Do you know what? I've had a bit of a busy week. So actually, the only thing I'm watching at the moment is I am re-watching and catching up on Ted Lasso in preparation right. for the new series. Because they have not made the new episodes available to us yet. No. no. I have not got them, no. which is controversial. It is controversial. The third season is going to land on the 15th of March. So I thought, right, I just want to kind of have a quick... I re-watched uh, series one and I'm just watching for the first time season two because I was behind anyway. And then, yeah. So that's all I've been watching. So, 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 hang on. so where, what, what episode? What's the last episode you watched? The last episode of season one. Okay, so the good season. So, so you're, okay, so you're, you're, you're still in the half-hour feel-good comedy season, mm-hmm. and not in the forty-five-minute depressing bleak drama mm. season, which we comes after it. So, which is a longer run as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's did you, call it, did you say the good season? Season one. Yeah, I mean, season two is still good. Yeah, but it's, it's a very it's a different dis- show, though. No, 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 no. Said it was disappointing. No, 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 no. no. Oh. It's, it's different. It's, it's different. different. He's. It is different. James, no, hang on. Yeah, no, I'm no. not slagging well, it off. I just didn't want to let it go. You just okay. let that slip, like that slide. Because I thought, I thought James and you, I thought you no. both said that it was like a bit of a dip in form. No, no. I, well, I think oh, a God, change in format. We've acknowledged there's a change in format. I'm glad we've arrested this allegation. Okay, fine. No, it's not bad. No, it's still brilliant. In fact, I think it's even better. Generally, I was it's just it's just more serious. It. It's more dramatic, less broadly com- comic. Yeah, comic. it is. It's it's it has a real. I mean, the first season has a, a sort of bittersweetness, a melancholy yeah. to it, but it's still uplifting. The second yeah. season has a bit of a downer melancholy to yeah, it. Yeah, there's a darkness. To there it. is a darkness yeah. to oh, it, no. particularly yeah. um, Nick Muhammad. Yeah. Character. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. But no, it's still brilliant. It's yeah. Absolutely brilliant. That's the thing. Don't look at yeah. Go watch it. Carry on watching. Okay. Yeah. For fuck's you, sake. You guys had put me off, but now you've. Uh, oh, I'm glad we've. I'm glad but wait until yeah. you get to Beard After Hours, which is like I mean, watching that is a complete oh, that, head trip. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I'm not keen on that episode. I have to mm. say that's my least favorite episode. Yeah, you 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 you'll know when you get to it. Mm. Yeah. Anything yeah, else? The other coach. Yeah. The other Beard, coach. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Coach Beard. Um, no, like I said, that's all. That's I've well, talking of um, Brett Goldstein and um, Ted Lasso, I've been watching more of Shrinking, which mm. of course he. Um, created, co-created, and so I've heard it gets very good. It gets really, really good. Oh, I'm going to go it back does. to it. And the, I'll tell you what, the inspiration for me um, watching more of it was a couple of people mentioned it to me on Twitter anyway, but um, and I respect their opinion. But Stephen Moffat um, mentioned it on uh, social media. The great Stephen Moffat, and whatever, if if Stephen Moffat likes something particularly like a scripted thing, then I think, wow, that has to be pretty special because he doesn't throw around his compliments for rival TV shows willy-nilly. And he said, I think on Instagram, he said it's absolutely brilliant, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I watched more. I'm up to episode um, six, I think, five or six. And it gets really... I mean, I really liked the second episode anyway. The only episode I was disappointed about was the fir- the opener. Mm. I liked the first episode. Well, I, yeah, I mean, it was fine. It was fine. I just didn't think it was that special. But then actually, the more you watch of it, a bit like Ted Lasso, actually, the more you get into its vibe... And it's quite, it's kind of deceptively laid back. Mm. Uh, it's quite kind of chatty, like they all sit around chatting about stuff. But that those scenes are actually 
kind of brilliant. And where you think, because I thought in that first episode, I thought, oh, there's going to be like a formula. There'll be like a different a different psychological case every week for him to solve in a way. But it's not like that at all. It's kind of an ongoing, it, you, you know, you keep you keep your interest in that character, for example, who has um, anger issues. Mm. He, he's he, he's the in the, the show all the way episode. through. Yeah, yeah I like him. All the way yeah, through. I liked him. And his story gets really interesting. He goes to live with um, the shrink and etc. Spoiler um, alert. Well, is that a spoiler alert? Yeah, I mean, you spoiled like it a, for me. It's a you comedy. You just spoiled it for me. Oh my god! It's not like <laughs> a god. It's not like a boy big comes twist. in here, ruins yeah, all the, the shows, twist. then fucks off. It's a massive <laughs> twist. That he goes to live with the shrink, and just and I have to. I mean, I did say this after episode two, but it's even more the case having watched Moses. Harrison Ford is absolutely magnificent mm. in it. Just watching him, kind of in this very chilled out role in a way even though he's got parkinson's which 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 is dealt with i thought very interestingly Spoiler. um that's <laughs> we've established he's got parkinson's. that's in the description of the whole fucking show um god boy, i really i've got something about your ruining energy today. Shut up. he's got big spoiler energy, yeah, he's got big spoiler energy. <laughs> oh, don't say all this because people are encouraging to, to go on about it um yeah, so he is just incredible. It's just, it's a great, it's a fantastic role for him. And he's having such a good time making it. You said this before, and because oh, I stopped watching. repeating myself. <laughs> Wait for it. It's, on, it's an onslaught. No, no. I said you'd mentioned this before because after the. Drag first, him, drag him. No, yeah. after, the, after the first episode, I stopped watching because Harrison was hardly in it. And I thought, oh, God, he's been really underused. But I remember you saying now, actually. Totally he's... super used. Oh, okay. Apart from then, that yeah. first episode. Yeah, throughout, throughout the rest of the thing. And the story, the extra storylines are really interesting. Just the whole, yeah, it's really, really, really good. I'm going to go back Three to Three realers. <laughs> uh, what else have we been watching? Well, I went to the screening of, um, we'd normally cover this in what else is out section at the end, James, but um, <laughs> I only said that to look, to because he's not paying attention. He's not doing his emails. Um, <laughs> because uh, I went to a screening of Jamie Dimitri's one-off a uh, sketch show which is called A Whole Life A Whole Life with Jamie Dimitri yeah no I know you didn't yeah uh, was rude. it good? it's really really good yeah so this is it's an hour long sketch show basically but loosely built around the idea of one person's life from womb to death mm -hmm. so he, he he starts out him in naked in a womb which is like he talked through the practicalities of getting that shot which were quite exceptional actually he, fully naked fully naked and he, he said in the in the Q&A afterwards he said I'm Greek and I had to shave my hairy body <laughs> and they literally laid him out and shaved him from head to toe, oh, including all of wax, every I area. Hope. No, I hope wax. Well, he just said shaved. He didn't go into the specifics. I'm assuming there must have been wax involved. Because the stubble, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, a lot of stubble. Ridiculous. Yeah, maybe even that. Isn't there like a, there's a depilating cream or something? Epilating. Is it, what's depilating? I don't I know. Make... I think you've just made up a word. <laughs> is it epilating? I think so. Okay. And isn't no? Isn't epilating the little the yeah. little plucky things? Yeah. And de the word that Boyd said is that not like the weird cream stuff yeah. that like That's dissolves what... hairs or does whatever it does? I think what, so. What like yeah. imac? Yeah. What's, what's an imac? Uh, no, it's an imac. Okay. Don't be. Really... <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Mansplaining what the cream is. Brilliant. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know what an imac is, but, but sure. Anyway, whatever it is. Oh, I thought you were looking got, up then. Well, I, the well actually, I think depilate is the word. I depilated my underarms and legs. You removed oh. the hair from. There's also Boydscaping, is that what we're talking about? Well, of course, yeah. Boyd, you are the well, expert in this particular steady. field, as all of our listeners oh, will know. What, Boyd, the, you must know no. this. Does Kay not know this? No. Oh my Kay God. doesn't know this. Well, she doesn't used to listen to the po old podcast, did she? Wow. She over. I, it is my personal delight, Kay. Oh my God, tell me. <laughs> to oh. tell you that Boyd's yes. other podcast. Podcast, the one that he cheats on us with, the Arsenal podcast, had a 
sponsor from a company you may know called Manscaping. So Boyd oh. had to do a read about about <laughs> about depilating one's balls on his uh, oh on my his God, Oscar I podcast. They made you do it? No, I don't think they made no, him do it. But he did. Own, he not... you know he became the spokesman for you <laughs> I know. Just had to do a read. I had to read for out. Sean Scrotums. Yeah, yeah, so that's uh, <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. Oh, that's a brilliant yeah. bit. Of, I think uh... it seems. But news in. I think it seems to be both epilating and depilating. Yeah, yeah. is an epi- Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I'm sure that it's. You let's see, listeners. You learn something yeah. every podcast. Yeah, fascinating. <laughs> anyway, what was, oh yeah. Anyway, Jamie Dimitri got got his hair removed. Yeah. for this thing, but also it's got um, loads of people from Stathlet's Flats. So you'll you recognise <gasps> in it. Ellie White. Ellie White's in it. Yeah, and in fact, the the very first sketch, pretty much, is um, teenagers. Right, the, him and Ellie White is playing a teenage couple in their bedroom, and it's fucking oh. hilarious. Just the whole way they speak, and it's all about how um, how they on their phones all the time, obviously, but they're too busy to have sex or not interested in sex. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And they're like the mum is like, "You've got you should be having sex or sitting there tapping away on your phones." And just the way he does this character, he adds this, the noise. He basically says everything's like, stop doing that, uh, you know, they have uh at the end of everything they say. <laughs> Which was a little bit like that in Staff. Staff let's yeah, 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 it's a bit like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Is um Natasha? The only person not in it is Natasha. It's oh. his sister because she wasn't available. She was filming stuff, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's a yeah, shame. Yeah, so he mentioned that, yeah. But pretty, pretty much everyone else that you've ever seen him work with is in it mm. from one way, one way or another, and it's really funny. Um, <laughs> James, James he loves up. a sketch comedy. He, he zoned out because it was yeah. comedy. And Sorry, yes, I'm back in the room now. Yeah, you stop talking about Jamie Dimitri, as I'm talking about James. Ah, uh, yes. And so that was really good. And the other thing I did, I had to watch a lot of. I had to watch um, six episodes of the new series of Meet the Richardsons on UK oh, TV. Yeah. I've never Dave. heard of that. Of course, you haven't. Um, it's. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's for James. Comedi- Have you heard of John Richardson? Are Lucy Beaumont comedians? No, no. You recognise John, I think, probably. Would I? No, uh, maybe. If he I don't actually. think he would. No, is he in Star Trek? He's not in Star Trek, no. He's not in um, The Expanse either, but he is on 8 out of 10 Cats Does Countdown a lot. Mm. Uh, he's one of the team captains on that. And this is their, it's a kind of faux documentary uh, look at their lives because they're both professional comedians and they're married and it's all about their their lives being professional comedians, going on game shows, um, going on tour, doing new live shows there. And it's so brilliantly done. It's one of the best of its kind of the faux documentary format. And I hosted a Q&A with them and they were delight. But just watching six episodes of the new series, this will be like, this is an example of the, someone who gets annoyed when we talk about stuff we've been watching that isn't out yet. But I, so apologies for that. But you will be able to see it. But in, it's what you've been watching. Yeah, exactly. It's what I've been watching. You'll be able to see it in early April. James will be particularly excited so you can watch the whole series <laughs> then as it all arrives on UK TV Play. Excellent. Yeah. Can't wait. Looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah. It'll be grand. It'll be great. Anything else you've been watching, boy, that you wish to share? No, that's about it. Yeah. That's it. That is everything you've been watching. Okay, good. Shall we have our first guest of the Please week? God. Yes, this week's guest is a legend in his own right. And I am not just saying that, as I know he listens to every episode of the podcast. You will know Sanjeev Bhaskar from a great many things, from the Kumars to Good Omens, Yesterday, Modern Masterpiece, The Sandman. Uh, but we love him most, obviously, for the role as D.I. Sonny Khan in ITV's Forgotten, in which he gloriously returns to our screens this week, but without Nicola Walker by his side for the first time. I ventured inside the hallowed halls of ITV a while back, and no, it was not a trap, and yes, they did let me out alive. Uh, But while I was there, I caught up with Sanjeev, uh, partly to talk about Sonny's backpack, but mainly so we could discuss how wrong Boyd is about the Sandman. So Sanjeev, welcome to the Pilot TV podcast. And when Boydie told me, he was like, oh no, Sanjeev, this is the podcast. I was like, 
Of course he does. Of course he does, Boyd. In the same way that everyone who comes on as a guest listens to the podcast. Yeah. You're like, absolutely. I, just say, absolutely. I loved your last book, album, <laughs> film. I think you were a wonderful Lear. Yeah. Can I yeah. just say? This is the toast of Croydon. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. But no, that, no. I, we, just before we started recording, we yeah. mentioned Sandman. Yes, Sandman, which Boyd, he refused to get on board with and yeah. which was glorious. Oh, wait, so I should mention we're in... The heart of ITV. Are we allowed to talk about a Netflix show? Do you have snipers? Like, we're fine. Okay, good. Good. But incredible show. So excited it's coming back. Yeah. I mean, I don't know whether I'm in the second one or mm. not. I mean, that's... Uh, I don't Do know Cain they... and Abel come back? I can't remember. I, you know, I think they reappear in uh, the books. Yeah. Stroke comics. Um, but I think, you know, obviously the first series that were several that were concertinaed and, and moved around in terms of shape and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm hoping that uh, I'll be involved. It was, you know, it was an incredibly enjoyable one to be involved in, actually, I have to say. And, you know, uh, despite um, the comment that I will not kind of, um, you know, uh, <laughs> cast aspersions on the person who said it, they very much did not look like a BBC drama. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the the sets were extraordinary. I mean, the scale of the sets was mm. was something else. Um, but you know, the the whole thing about trying to you know visualize the dreaming is almost an impossible thing because you know one person's dream is another person's nightmare, mm. and also you know, do you dream in color? Do you dream in black and white? You know, it's yeah. You know, in your dreams, do you can you fly? Do you have superpowers? It's kind of so. It's it's very much a kind of uh, a taste thing. But I I must admit, I mean, I. Didn't know the comic books that well at all. I thought the the series, as a viewer, I thought was incredibly compelling. And I think that the idea that each of those episodes was tonally different, I thought was an incredibly bold thing to do. Mm. Because it's it comes from the same place as, you know, one of my favourite criticisms, or my the favourite criticism of Unforgotten that's ever been directed at me, which was on social media, was from... I think an American. Uh, I thought you were going to say Boyd, but carry on. No, yeah. no, Boyd's been <laughs> consistently very good about it. Um, and um, I think that's the deal. I think, you know, obviously he's very happy to talk about Arsenal now, which he wasn't before. Um, but uh, it was that, uh, yeah, somebody from America tweeted me and said something like, you know, criticizing Unforgotten and said, the show is terrible. You know, you know, you can watch other shows. They solve a murder a week. <laughs> These guys take six hours, one murder. And it was kind of, I had to go, yeah, you're, you're right. We are kind of incompetent, actually. <laughs> All the really good ones could do it in an hour. So in that sense, you know, the, the whole thing about each episode of The Sandman being different in feel, mm. it felt kind of quite experimental and quite bold for that. Because otherwise you could, they could have just solved a murder a week. Yeah. Yeah, But you mentioned that about Unforgotten, and that is 100% the best part of this show, that it takes its time. It's very precise. You really feel for, A, the victim, but also, like, there's empathy for the perpetrators. Yeah. And I think that's so cleverly done, that by the end of that first episode, you've seen these random people doing disparate things. By the end of it, they all start to kind of, the threads kind of draw together. I love that about it. Yeah, do you know what? I think that, thank you very much. I mean, I'm saying thank you, like, I'm... I'm taking credit for it. It's kind of it's 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 Chris Lang and, and uh, Andy Wilson and everybody else. But I think that, um, you know, cop shows are a dime a dozen, to mm. use a, the American vernacular, uh, ten a penny. Let's, let's <laughs> you know, cover our entire audience. Um, and, and I think that in 
order for most of those to be interesting, they are heightened. Mm. And so they become escapism. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, it's like James Bond films. I love Bond films yep. um, because it's escapism. You know, if for one second I thought this was reality, I'd be nuts. <laughs> um, and I think that, that the difference, I think, was that having run through those cycles of ever-increasing kind of heightened reality in detective shows, um, I think what Chris did, which was brilliant, was to root this in a much more, well, in a, in a world that we recognize and we live in. Mm. And so it's not heightened. It's the opposite of that. It's not low lowered. But it, it's kind of, I think, and so, you know, going back to what you said about the empathy for the, you know, uh, antagonists, it's that, you know, in reality, the people who commit murder tend to do it once. Mm. You know, prisons are full of people kind of, you know, it's a horrible thing to do. But it tends to be people who were otherwise kind of fairly regular people. You know, the the idea that you know prisons are full of serial killers. It's um, not Arkham Asylum. Yeah. No, no, it's not Arkham. You know, <laughs> and that's and I think that's what Chris has done. I think that so therefore I think the the um, empathy it lies at the heart of the program, and I think within the relationships, and it it certainly did. I think for the relationship between you know Sunny. I play and, and Cassie mm. that Nicola played. I think there was just, there was other than they just got on. I mean, the big news was they got on. But and, it is, it's unusual, isn't it? For like a, a sort of cop duo, friction is normally where most of the drama comes from. Yeah. Like one will be rational, the other one, it's the Mulder and Scully dynamic, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And you guys both just had mutual respect and you got along famously. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, you have to go back somewhere. I don't know, Cagney and Lacey got on. Starsky and Hutch got on, you know, but but the the male female dynamic, yeah. there's always been either sexual tension or kind of you know uh, arguments of some kind or the other, as you say, to bring that drama. And mm. I think that the drama didn't come from them. And I think also that they don't see themselves as heroic or tragic. Uh, they are just doing their jobs. And I think that you know, again, in the real world. You know, institutions and particularly the police do come in for, you know, sometimes rightfully, um, you know, criticism mm. of attitudes and elements within it. But it's easy to forget at that point. There are people, individuals within it who are incredibly benignly driven and mm. in, in the reasons why they went into that job in the first place. And I've met a lot of them. You yeah, know. I remember reading this, that you'd had people approach you and saying that this reflected their experience of investigating, which yeah, is certainly, reassuring. Yeah, well, certainly kind of, you know, detectives and ex-detectives who kind of said, this is the way that you should behave. And, you know, it's obviously Busman's holiday for them watching uh, <laughs> detective shows. But, you know, the number of times they would get irate at a show where in an interview – you know, the copper, the, the detective or whatever would be, you know, slamming the table and pointing at the, at the other person and leaning over and spitting in their face and, you know, going up to the punch in the wall and they come back. And they said, that's kind of not what you do. Mm. And it's fine for that kind of program. That's heightened. That's supposed to happen in that, you know. Um, you know, I, I would not want to watch, you know, a martial arts film where, you know, the martial artist is kind of a regular guy, doesn't really kick very often. I mean, you know, as a couple of Just tea. a bit passive aggressive. Yeah, yeah it just kind of gets a little bit annoyed. And then um, this was the thing with, remember the series 
Do you know of the series Kung Fu with David Carradine? Yeah, yeah. So that was the frustrating thing about watching that at the time when I was a kid, was that you know Bruce Lee was the kind of rage and yeah. was the big pen up. And he was supposed to be in it. He was originally mm. supposed to be in it. You know, they obviously said he wasn't Chinese enough. <laughs> and let's get David Carradine. Yeah. And um, the frustrating thing about that series was that uh, Kwai Chang Kane would basically only kick someone at the very end of the episode <laughs> and once or twice. And you go, the series, you call comfort. The rest of it would be, his philosophy is of peace. I come to drink the water is good. You know, it would be that. And the flashbacks to walk on rice paper. Walk on, when you can walk silently on rice paper, you can, and you're going, I'm eight years old. I want to see him kicking someone I in the head. promised Kung Fu. Yes. Um, so, yes, you know, that kind of heightened and reality thing. I'm trying to sum up everything we've said is <laughs> why Kung Fu is the way forward. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But we, we talk about this on the podcast a lot. Like when we watch Line of Duty, it's like the in, the interrogations, the Line of Duty interrogations with Ted Hastings screaming bloody murder. And then you'd go to the Unforgotten interrogations where, you know, Nicola is just a little bit disappointed in the person she's talking to and makes it very, very clear, you know. and it's But again, it's the soulfulness of it. There's a real feeling to it. And... I think this show has so much heart. Like you really feel that Sonny and uh, Cassie, and I don't yet know about Sinead's character. We shall see. Uh, I've only seen the first episode. You know, th there's a real feeling there that they care. You know, they and these people have been dead for a long time, but they mm. still care. You know, certainly the police tend to get a slightly mixed rap these days. You know, you hope that there are people out there who want to bring closure to families who actually want uh, to dig this stuff up. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day. Uh you know, we, I think we kind of have maybe rightfully an expectation that people who are in the police force or doctors and nurses and the rest of it, you know, are culled from a finer and better rock than the rest of us. Yeah. And so it's a calling. And so therefore, you know, they shouldn't and can't be sexist or racist or want more money <laughs> because, you know, what the hell? And um, they're people and they've got to survive. And I think, you know, within that, as in with any company, organization, or indeed family, you're going to find different shades of people within mm. it. And I think that, um, I think that compassion towards the antagonist and also for uh, the protagonist as well in this, you know, it's a reflection of who Chris is and what he's interested in. Yeah. And, and I think that, is compelling to do as well. I think, you know, because in things like Line of, Duty, Line of Duty, which I really enjoy, is that the tension comes from the energy of that show. And that's what you want to, that's why I want to plug into it, because I want that energy to come mm. from that. And I think the, the tension in Unforgotten comes from an ever closing noose. And those connections. And I think that's where the tension comes from, mm. you know, in those interviews when you're, when it, it, there's nowhere to hide, you know, you can't really cut to anything else. It's, it's sort of a cat and mouse, mm. but, uh, you know, furtive cat and kind of fur, quite furtive mouse. But it's great, like a great interrogation scene. There's nothing, but like, remember Cracker, like those interrogation Brilliant. scenes were incredible. Yeah. Same with Lion Duty, same with Unforgotten. There's something about that dynamic, that kind of mental, it's mental kung fu, it essentially is. is what you're getting. It is. So it's delivering the promise, but it's all psychological. That's right. What you don't want is the equivalent of the kung fu series of somebody just kind of making a few notes, uh, saying they want two sugars in their tea. Yeah. Uh, have we got two, should we meet later for, uh, I don't know, what's your fancy takeaway? We don't want any of that. We want the kick in the head equivalent. Yeah. 
There's someone saying no comment, no comment, no comment. That's yeah. slightly lower drama. <laughs> uh, I will say one say, and I'm sure you get asked about this an awful lot. Sunny is, of course, my style icon. I have my backpack here, oh, yeah, as very you can impressive see. As well. yeah. Thank you very much. I love the backpack so much. I'm slightly obsessed with the backpack. I also like the fact that you've leaned into the whole backpack <laughs> thing, and it almost has its own social media account at this point. Yeah. And it was your idea, wasn't it, the backpack originally? Like this, you were like, he's a backpack man, not a briefcase. Man. It was, yeah. I was offered yeah. a, a number of kind of cases, briefcases, and uh, holdalls and all that kind of stuff. And I said, he's got kids. He needs something practical. What about a backpack? And they went fine. And then I had no idea <laughs> that people would be saying, "What's with the backpack? It makes him look like a child. He doesn't even wear it properly." Um, so you know, there's some sort of backpack etiquette. Police out there. Yeah, one strap descended. is bad for your posture. It has to be said. You uh, depends. Depends what's in there. <laughs> That's true. Um, Which varies from episode to episode as well. Absolutely, it does. <laughs> I have no idea what is in there, so therefore I have to carry it on one shoulder. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I've got, that was from series two when there was such a furore about it in the first series. That, that was the second one. I said, "Oh, well, look, you know, it's got to look like there's something in it." So costume department surprise me and they have been surprising me ever since and it was i wasn't too sure about posting pictures about it because i just thought oh is that going to detract from you know people watching the series not at all <laughs> and it didn't no. but, you know i think and that separation of uh oh you know those are the characters and these are the actors is always quite a useful one um but also i think it and and this wasn't by design this was by default i think it suggests a happy set Mm. You know, the fact that the costume department can make fun of me and I will go, this is how they made fun of me this week, <laughs> suggests just a happy workplace, yeah. which I think is, is and it is true, which it is. Yeah. And what's, what's the, what is the weirdest thing that they have put in the backpack? Oh, I mean, you know, they've been tons. I mean, it's got, you know, everything from, you know, a whole pineapple <laughs> was put, I mean, a, a tin of pilchards. I mean, it's got, I mean, what you, they've been moving parts. They've been electronic things that are battery driven, <laughs> they, you know, lights that go, you know, on and off. Book uh, of Dolly Parton quotes, wasn't that one? Um, yeah, that was, yeah, that was one. I think the, the one that I kind of went, how the hell did they even get this in here? Was, it was quite a large, almost full size, but not, I guess, I guess not quite. Large metal flamingo. <laughs> I don't know how the hell they got it in there, but that was in there. Uh, it's there's been tights and makeup remover. There was an entire cocktail set Practical, that was handy, put in there. Useful. It's <laughs> between takes. It's, it's it really is. I mean, I love the fact. I love that moment, and I dutifully do not open it during the day. <laughs> no I matter don't. how much. What is? Is it like Christmas morning? You're like feeling the bulges in the stocking. Just like, what is this? You is kind this of a flamingo. Well, you sense the weight. Yeah, and you kind of go, oh, okay, mm. and then you get a rough idea if there's, you know, ten small things or there's one really big thing in there. You get that sense, but other than that, not really. But I just I do look forward to that point of going. Mm. Okay, that's very good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Which is great fun. And uh, you know, I just kind of urge them to be crazier, go yeah, crazy, be as creative as you can. But it, you're Absolutely. right; it is the sign of a fun set, and you like you get that impression that there's a sort of familial aspect to it. But of course, you are a member down this time, and there is a moment at the very beginning of this first episode mm. of the latest series. Where Sonny orders two coffees. And I have to say, that really got me. Just he just stares and just leaves the one behind. And it's just like, that's a really hard thing. When that 
episode how I mean, you've probably heard us talk about it on the podcast like absolutely devastating and i wonder whether it's like it's like your parents getting divorced you know what i mean like it's like <laughs> these two people who were so steadfast so reliable so consistent mm. and i never saw it coming now nicola has said that she and chris talked about it in series three that the seeds were so did you know this was coming then no well you know people kind of uh, you know obviously uh, have expressed you know, how shocked they were at that storyline. Yeah. And I've had to point out, I was shocked four times. <laughs> I was shocked when I was told. Mm. I was shocked when I read it in the script. I was, I was shocked when we filmed the scenes. And I was shocked when I saw it. And each one was a shock. And it was Nicola who told me first, actually. She said, um, you'll never guess what's going to happen to me in this series. Like, I went, what? <laughs> Thinking, oh, she's going to get married. And, um, and then she told me, and I went, you've got to be fucking joking and she said uh no it's gonna happen and i went oh my god and it was it was that notion that as far as i understand i wasn't involved in any of the discussions mm. but um you know if it's up to me i'd you know i'd cast nicola in everything i do actually more likely i would insist that i'm in everything <laughs> she does i think she works more than i do um but um it, you know it was that they said where do you dramatically take this character next mm. Where do you not repeat yourself? And I think that that was the conclusion they came to. And, and, and you know, story-wise and drama-wise and character-wise, I get it. I don't like it, but I get it. You know, the fact that it was such an everyday, ordinary, mundane death, mm. that it wasn't, you know, in the middle of a shootout, it wasn't actually leapt from a helicopter to save two children falling off a building, you know, it was was part of that reality. And, yeah. I, and I remember, you know, again, on social media, people saying to me, you know, why couldn't she have just, I'll never forgive you, like it, like it was down <laughs> to me. But, you know, she could have just retired and gone off with a boyfriend. And I said, because life is really yeah. shit sometimes. Yeah. And that was the point that was being made, I think, you know, mm. which again was a really bold thing because actually the easy thing would have been, do you know what? She's gone off to live with her boyfriend. And then two, three series later, it began, hey, let's get her out of retirement for one last case. Yeah, yeah. And by that time, Sonny would have developed a drinking problem. That's it. Um, so, yeah, I, th I thought it was very honest and very bold. And I think that's that compassion and that empathy. And I think that honesty, emotional honesty, I think is at the heart of all of Chris's writing, but particularly mm. on Unforgotten. And how I'm mean, going into this series, because obviously it's a slight gear shift and mm. it's an emotional gear shift for Sonny as well. Like yeah. it feels slightly different. There's an anger to him here now. Yeah. Like you see him punching a toilet stool in the first episode. Like what was that like? Uh, do, do you know what was interesting was, I mean, we know we have, we all have it in us. Mm. And the interesting thing then becomes to consider what it would take for us to do that. You know, it's that question of somebody kind of said, I remember as a kid, as a teenager, they said, could you kill anyone? And you go, no. <laughs> Gosh, no. And now, you know, once you become a parent, you go, can you kill anyone? You go, yeah, absolutely. I can a see a situation <laughs> when that would be necessary, I would do it. Mm. And it's it's kind of what would it take to get you there? And I think mm. that was the interesting thing for me looking at where Sonny went this time was, you know, in his grief and the things that grief brings up, which is confusion and anger and regret and, you know, all those things, you lose yourself a little bit. And so what would, you know, take Sonny to that place where we haven't seen him go before, where he will kick the shit out of a door or yeah. he will be sarcastic or he will be upset or whatever, because he's always been steady Eddie. He's mm. always been the rock. And so that was fascinating to kind of, to explore that as well. So very grateful to 
to Chris for allowing me to kind of, you know, explore those aspects to it. But also, I mean, you know, I am really, really bloody lucky. I'm possibly the luckiest person on the planet. Um, you know, I dreamt about doing what I do now from, you know, when I was five and it took me 30 years to get started. Yeah. But I've got to work with extraordinary people. And just in terms of, you know, strong women, you know, Mira I worked with and married her, obviously, and then Aisha Darker in, in uh, The Indian Doctor, and then Nicola Walker, and now Sinead Keenan. I mean, I, I am, you know, I've worked with fabulous people and, and fabulous women, and that is an extraordinary gift and learn off all of them. And so Sinead coming into this, who I had had the hardest job of anyone, because I remember calling her when she was um, when I was told that she was going to be playing the character, and I said, "Listen, I've just realised that you're in exactly the same position as your character. You, Sinead, are coming into this show where mm. everyone knows each other, and there was a beloved kind of actress who was part of it who's now left, and your character's coming into this team that all know each other, and where this beloved detective is now no longer there. Yeah, and so she had the hardest job, and she was just and is fantastic. Mm. I mean." Have you just seen the one? Ed? Just the one. Just okay, the one. I've I'm a, looking forward to seeing how this relationship. I've developed, seen a few so. more, and Sinead is, is phenomenal. Mm. Phenomenal. She's, I mean, she's great in everything. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she's got. But in the same way, she's as compelling as Nicola is to watch. Mm. You know, there's big shoes so to fill, much though. going on. Big shoes to fill. Yeah, I mean, if yes, in in the, on the surface of it, but it's a different character, and it that's is. the thing you go. So even with me, I was going. No, this is just the story now. This is not yeah. about. We do the comparison because that's part of the story. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, they are in different ways, utterly. There's so much that they convey. You know, they do that thing of kind of uh, flashing six thoughts across their faces in a split second mm. that we kind of go, oh, whoa, that was great. So yeah, it was brilliant. Amazing. Well, Sanjeev, thank you very much indeed. It's been thank a pleasure. you. Thank you very much. That was Sanjeev Bhaskar. And it's time now for a listener question. Now, Confession. Mm. I haven't picked a listener question. I haven't looked at the listener questions. I don't know what the listener question is going to be. So I'm going to pull out one at random. Oh my god! From the Pilot sure Plus this. post bag, and whatever it is, Ugh. we're just going to do it. Okay. No matter what it is, no matter what it says, no matter how awful it might be, no matter how themed around you know manscaping it is. <laughs> uh, this comes from this comes from Cy Turner, and Cy Turner says. And this is obviously from a while back because he starts, today is Valentine's Day. It's not. Uh, but it was at one point. He says, a term used commonly is X, presumably Ooh. among the youths. Yes. Yeah. What are your biggest TV X? Oh, that's quite a good question. That's a great question. Yeah. Now, I can answer this for Beth because Beth's biggest ick was brushing teeth, wasn't right, it? Right, yeah. She had a real thing about yeah. anyone brushing their teeth. It gave her the heebie-jeebies. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, no, she got she got the Wiggins. If anyone brushed their teeth, <laughs> the Wiggins, uh, she got the Wiggins over it. Ooh. On TV, by the way, not in. No, generally, yeah. she has good oral hygiene yeah. herself, <laughs> but on TV, she couldn't couldn't be dealing with it. And then, like people wrote in, she there was an upswelling of popular support. People saying that they too got the heebie-jeebies mm. when people started to, or the icks, as the mm. kids say, mm. uh, when they saw people brushing their teeth on TV. That's a good one. Well, Boy, you know, you I, I'm speaking on behalf of Kay because you don't like okay. violence, do oh. you, on screen? I mean, we'll oh, get to yeah. This but is that, is that classified as an ick? I don't know. Is it? I don't think resistant it's... to it. Like, oh. words, I don't give a shit. I can oh, watch no, as no, much no. violence. Sorry. Bring it on. Bring on it. No, no. I hate violence. I'm saying, is that could that be termed as an ick? 
yeah, if you can't stand the watching any violence on screen, pretty much, that's an ick, I think. Well, what, I mean, let's define it. What is an ick? What do the youths say an ick is? It's so it creeps and makes them feel creepy, isn't it? Or no, it's more well. No, no you. I mean, you're the closest to you we've got in the room. <laughs> yeah. No, it's more like when it just makes you feel like. Well, usually it's used in terms of a guy, like or a girl, whoever you know, like oh god, he did that and he gave me the ick, like as you're like, okay. gross, get off me. So. Like, for Boydie, is it is it the like six months earlier, two weeks earlier, one day earlier? Yeah. that kind of cold open flashback thing. Is that an ick or is that just deeply irritating? It's it's probably borderline ick. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just I just find it irritating and obvious these days. But yeah, but I think it's I think it, in in TV terms, when you're not talking about, it must be something creepy and, and annoying to that level, mustn't it? Oh, okay. Well, well I don't yeah, know. Vi- I'm, I'm, you know, violence on screen, yes, but also, I mean, if this... you're creeped out by someone, is that's that's what. That's not it. No, well, no. Well, you just said so. didn't it sound like it was that? Didn't, Can you repeat I... the question, please, James? Oh, th- th- I mean, <laughs> literally, it's a pretty short question. There's not much to repeat. The question from Cyturner was simply: Today is Valentine's Day. A term yeah. used commonly is "ix," plural. Yeah. He's... What are your biggest TV "ix"? So he's couching it in terms of romance, there. Valentine's you think? Day "ix." I uh, think so. Well, I think he's saying that on Valentine's Day, a lot of people say there are icks. Or maybe he's saying Valentine's Day is itself an ick. It's very hard to say. Who who among us can say what is an ick? <laughs> okay, well, violence, yes. Also, the thing that I don't know if you'd term it as ick or irritating, I find, is when people drink, but there's nothing in the fucking cup. I mean, That's that is annoyance. annoying. Because you can tell by the weight, yes. can't you? It's an empty also, cup. Yeah. It's so, but it's such an easy thing and you're to just solve. Like, yeah, prop department, you put yeah. some water in it for fuck's sake. It's rank laziness. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that to me is a, of great annoyance. Um, okay. I've just looked up the definition, right? It's widely agreed that the ick happens when you have a viscerally repulsed reaction to something. Mm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So for me, reality TV then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, which actually is used but, mostly on Love Island, that term. So, yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay, fine. <laughs> But that's why I said violence, violence on screen. You're viscerally repulsed by that, aren't you? Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, right. Well, just, just basically trying to justify myself. Did you watch Gangs of London, Gay? Yes, because I don't remember that first oh, episode. Right. Was, like, was it oh deeply upsetting? Yeah. <laughs> Anything with loads of violence. Well, we're going to come to something. Yeah, too. this is why I mentioned it, because she literally had got the X today. I, when I find I, it you very sat next hard to, me watching, to watch. Yeah. Yes, watching the show that we're reviewing later on. No mm. spoilers. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas there, I can, li- I, I could not give a shit about violence. In fact, I'm in the Quentin Tarantino it. school. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> on screen, we're talking on screen. Let me, can I emphasize enough? But as uh, Quentin Tarantino, one of his absolutely brilliant podcasts, which I love, um, which he's got at the moment with Roger Avery and Roger Avery's daughter, where he just talks about old films, obscure old films, pretty much. Um, he talks about how it talks about Straw Dogs, the very controversial um, mm. Sam Peckinpah film, which is which will give anyone the X. <laughs> and he talks about how, he, you know, directors who have ultra-violent stuff should be proud of it and not pretend, you know, they're kind of like either making a point or they're ashamed of it. They, it it's, it is, for a lot of people, fun to watch violence on screen. And it has not, does not imply in any way that you are then, you know, more, that you I actually ju- have any interest in actual violence. In I fact, quite say, the opposite. I do judge people who find it really, really no, exciting but there's something cathartic. Fun. There's something cathartic about watching violence on screen as opposed to rea- re- real violence. I can't think of anything more horrific than any kind of actual violence. But on screen, it's different. It's a different thing. And that, mm. that is... Mm. Right now, you saying that is giving me the... Well, <laughs> yeah. Wow, okay. yeah. I, see, I, 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 I don't know. So I used to talk about this with Terry quite a lot. 
podcast because I can't watch anything like torture or sexual assault or basically abuses of power dynamics. I think is a, is a, something that bothers me, and that gives me the icks. Whereas Terry used to find watching like Law and Order SVU just really cathartic. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, well, it would be traumatic for me, but she found it very mm. soothing. Yeah. And I, I guess it's because the person was always brought to justice. Maybe that was what she liked about it. it. Yeah. I think but, the whole show she found very. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I find stuff like the SVU is something I just I, I can't watch that. Like that would just upset me yeah, too much. No, I can't. I can't do it's it. It's fine by me. Uh, and I I'm not a fan of like I like horror. I like scary horror, but I don't like gory horror. Like things that scare me, absolutely fine. But things that like ick me out, like like really unpleasantness. Yeah. Again, like s- anything sadistic, mm. things like that. I can't be dealing with any of that stuff. Wow. Whereas so you Tarant- have to be. That's very specific. So you have to make sure before you go and see like a horror film, mm. which one because. You know, they can sometimes. Yeah. So where was um, and I can't remember the name of it. Was it? It was called something like The Luckiest Girl Alive or something. It was a Mila Kunis film, yeah, which I want to say was on streaming, which is about the school shooting. What was it called? Was it called something like that? Anyway, it's called something. But again, it has scenes of graphic sexual violence in it. And I was yeah. supposed to review it for the Empire podcast, and I basically just flat out refused. I was, right. I'm not. I'm just not watching it. I'm not. Mm. I'm I not, watched that one. Yeah, I'm not sitting through that. It was uncomfortable. Was it the Luckiest Girl Alive? Is that what it was called? I think it's something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, I'm. I'm just. I'm just not doing that because it will. It will. It will. Frankly, ruined my entire day, mm. so I'm not. I'm not. Well, it ruined mine, so. You, well, quite. There you go. So you I dodged saved, the bullet. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so there are things like that that give me. But in terms of sort of like non, it's like you know, like, when in a film or TV show, two people kiss. And then, and then, as they pull away, they are connected the by a sort of oh. a, by like a, a spittle oh my thread. God. How that wait, that wait, gives wait, me wait. the How, often does, How often does that happen? Yeah, not that often, but you do you see must it occasionally. Have an example, really? uh, yeah, no, I saw one recently. Again, I can't remember what it was, but there was one recently. I was like, mm, I'd have maybe, I'd have maybe CG'd that out or <laughs> done another take. But you know, sure, whatever you like. Uh, that's something I can kind of do without. <laughs> yeah, actually, I suppose kissing when they make all the noises. Well, I find just a bit like, oh, please, like no. <laughs> you but, don't, um, yeah. You know, but it's just, you know, they're really going for it. And it's just a bit. It sounds naff. a bit like you're making hummus in a blender. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no one needs that, do oh they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I find... Perhaps that says more about my technique than anything else. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Funnily enough, in the Jamie Dimitri sketch show, which I'll stop banging on about eventually, but really? there's a there's a there's one bit which has a stag do, which is built around a stag do, the nightmare the stag do's are, which mm. I totally I mean that stag do's give me the X. I'm yeah. I mean just generally. Too, yeah. It's such a brilliant sketch because it touches upon the horror of being the person who organizes it and a certain type of person a sort of person, sort of man, who would enjoy organizing a stag do and what he does and what that that really gave me the X last watching it. Um and there's a specific thing about, you know, literally bodily fluids. Bodily fluids, you know, vomiting I can just about take mm. it, but a lot of it, like a triangle of sadness. Have you seen Triangle of Sadness? No. Triangle of Sadness has a. Have you watched it? Uh, I, I'm familiar with <laughs> yeah, what right. you're after, but I haven't watched it. But that's literally the reason why I haven't right. watched it because so, I don't do toilet no. humor or bodily fluids. Right. So t- Triangle of Sadness has a massive set piece climax to the first act set aboard this luxury yacht where everyone gets both ends. Um, you know. <laughs> issues <laughs> due to due to food poisoning but it's, you know massive massive plus the food poisoning plus the um, ship just going you know balmy oh, in a God. storm yeah. and they're all vomiting and shitting basically <laughs> simultaneously and it's 
hilarious because it's so over the top and everyone's doing it <laughs> to an extraordinary extent, which is what makes it incredible to watch. But it's also really disgusting. Yeah, of course. And I actually think, like, I find that that definitely both of those things are going to give me the X. But in fact, it was almost cathartic, this thing, because he takes it so far <laughs> in Triangle of Sadness. It's almost like, well, if you can cope with watching this, then you can cope with it yeah. any kind of other mm. iteration of it forevermore. But it is a, a, an extraordinary thing. But I don't, I don't, like, I don't find toilet humour funny at all. Like, all the no, things but like, I'm not talking more than toilet humour. I'm yeah, but that's just, that's just so graphic. So like Bridesmaids fluid, has a very graphic, right? The Bridesmaids. Well, well, the Bridesmaids sequence film, isn't sorry, visually obviously. graphic, though, is it? It's, well, it's graphic in what's yeah. happening, but you don't see no, anything. Okay. Right. So I think that I can get... Yeah, I don't mind that. Right, okay. without, I don't need to see it. It's like, right. you know, in the in-betweeners when he gets chased down a water slide by a poo? <laughs> like, that, that's... I'm just like, nobody needs that. Like, nobody needs yeah, that. Yeah, you see, that, that was... I think it's because they took it that far in the in-betweeners um, that it worked, because it is so. It mm. is so. I mean, you like the in-betweeners, though, didn't you? And the in-betweeners is like massive amount of it is James is is uh, is toilet humor right the in-betweeners but you like the in-betweeners didn't you? I do like the in-betweeners, right. but weirdly, there are parts of it, the cringe parts of it, I struggle with, obviously. The whole but, thing's uh, cringe. Y- y- there's a lot of it. Anytime Jay is on screen, yeah. essentially, I struggle yeah. with that, but uh, yeah. yeah. You know what? I, what gives me the X is just unconvincing dialogue. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'd rather, honestly, watch like the goriest, most disgusting thing, but really basically bad, stupid. Oh, actually, yes. Yeah, do you know what I mean? You can tell within seconds if something if it's just not going to be like even vaguely believable that what these people are spouting the nonsense they're spouting and that does give me the x i have to say if i could think of an example it'd be good oh when it case though no i'm not going to say it out loud but there is one oh, yeah, yeah. Sh- there's one show i can think of that the comedy it was a comedy show and the the uh, dialogue and the writing was so bad that i wouldn't stop talking about it for a week so yeah i know what you mean okay i think does that does that answer that question i don't know it's hard to say it's hard to say where we went with that it's left us with more questions like what is the ick so if you could get back yeah please please explain what an ick is uh if this podcast does not in fact give you the icks and you would like your question to be answered then do please send your question in to us via dm on twitter at pilot tv pod dm on instagram at pilot tv pod or dm to me at james c dyer and we will either answer it here or on pilot plus Kay's got a hand up. Hi, Kay. What's the C stand for? C? The C in my name? Yeah, I mean, I can think of something, but but what is it really? What is my middle name? Well, see, that would be saying, wouldn't it? Come on. Be giving it away. My middle name is... Is Charles? What else could it be? Carl? It could be Carl. What's another C name? Um, Corinthian. Colin. Colin. Oh, oh my God, you're such a Colin. Yeah, Yeah, you're such a Colin. Colin. No, my middle name is Christopher. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That's exactly it. I'm not sure that helps anyone get their messages sent in, but uh, no. But people might be intrigued. Might, what's, you always... what's your middle name, Kay? My middle name's Anne. Good. What's yours, boy? Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on to what comes next. Oh yes, news. That's what's next. News. News is next. I've got one bit of news. That I've got, there's only one bit of news that I have in my head that I can cool. share with you, and that is good news, Boyd. Very yeah. good news. Karen Pirrie is yes. returning yes. for a second series. Yes, and that is great news. That is the best news of the week. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they've commissioned a second series, and but I think we're going to have to wait quite a while for it because it hasn't been written yet. Yes. Well, you know, Ema Kenny, if you're listening to this, <laughs> keep typing. Well, yeah. she's just had a baby, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, baby stuff. in one arm, laptop <laughs> in the other. Yeah, Just, course. you know. Of course. Come um, on. Some in further good news for Agatha Christie fans. Oh, yeah. It's being announced that Murder is Easy is being um, made into, it's going to be the new adaptation. And um, I, for one, am very thrilled about that. It's going to be two parts, and they're going to film this summer, so... We were talking about uh, 
Agatha Christie last week, weren't we? Couldn't well, be more delighted, although it's not it's not, it's not Phelpsy. And it's not Poirot, it's Marple. Yeah, yeah, but it's not Sarah Phelps. So, Sarah Phelps has obviously been writing the recent BBC mm. so she's clearly had enough <laughs> you know yeah. she's, I mean I think you know she, she did an Fair amazing enough. stint done, yeah. yeah she did a lot of brilliant brilliant once but they're, yeah they're going in a new for a new in a new direction yeah so it is disappointing personally for me that it's Marple but at least it's another Agatha Christie we can look forward to so I'm excited about that also exciting news Hannah Waddingham is um, going to be uh, co-hosting the Eurovision yeah I know extraordinary James, do you know what Eurovision is? I'm familiar with it, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you hear the, the, it was pretty exciting. I have never watched a Eurovision. No, you've never watched a Eurovision? No. But I will tell you this, that once Guar came into the Empire office, do you remember Guar? Yes, yes the yes. heavy metal, heavy the, yeah. the kind of thrush metal. Were even, That's were right. Yeah, yeah, they came yeah. into the Empire office once yeah. in they? full Guar costume. Why? To be fair, I think they'd come to but see They heat. wandered in to see yeah. I no, genuinely I think, think they, they had probably come wanted to see Mojo. Well, they come to, I, or yeah. Kerrang. Do you think? Yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe. maybe. Maybe they'd come to see Kerrang. They'd come to see someone and they'd wandered into our office and we were like, why are these zombie guys? Who are they? <laughs> and went up and they were Guar. So there you go. Oh, wow. But well, there well, aren't many people who've never seen Eurovision. That's quite That's the equivalent of the Star Trek yeah. thing. Is it? Yes, yeah. it is. I don't think it is. It is. It is. I mean, so, it's not far off. Yeah. This this year is the year you've got to watch because it's, yeah. it's in Liverpool. That's yeah. not happening. And, and Hannah Waddingham yeah, from, from um, Thingies. Sure, and I will delight in watching her in Ted Lasso Season 3, but I will not... Be watching Eurovision Song Contest. Well, maybe this is the thing that on Pilot Plus we force you to watch. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, we have a viewing party. It's it's good because it only takes four hours. We'll watch it at Boyd's house. And do a live viewing party. Yeah, on his massive screen. Good God, yeah. Um, Good luck being there. The last bit of news I have is that it's been announced that Michelle Keegan will star in the new Holland Coben. Oh, God, you've got a lot of on Netflix, news yeah. you're, you're, you're flashing this week. Yeah, yeah. well, that's... Yeah. Stop no, flashing your news at people, Kate. <laughs> I've been told about that No, before. I just meant, obviously, I was going to mention that as well, yeah. Yeah, alongside... You've beaten me to it. Sorry, boy, too slow. Uh, <sighs> she's going to star alongside Richard Armitage, Adil Akka, and uh, Joanna Lumley. So I love Harlan Coben's adaptation, so looking yeah. forward to that. Yeah, we like a bit of Harlan Coben. He's the king of crime. And um, Richard Armitage, he's, he's, I think he's been in a lot of them. He was definitely in the last one. Mm. So it's definitely like a yeah, carry on with Richard Armitage situation. And um, very exciting about Joe Lum as well. Mm. Eight-part series. Uh, you know they were doing revivals of True Blood and Six Feet Under? Well, they are no longer doing revivals yes. of True Blood and Six Feet Under. So that's yes. something that we found out in HBO News. Also in HBO <laughs> News, we found a sort of release window for House of the Dragon Season 2, which will be returning, wait for it, sometime in 2024. <laughs> Oh wow! But and so it's like it's like a riddle. But that it wouldn't be eligible for the 2024 Emmy season, and the Emmy eligibility period ends on May the 31st, 2024, which means House of Dragon will be coming sometime, theoretically during summer 2024 or slightly yeah, after. Yeah, June onwards. So yeah, there was loads of HBO related news this week because um, there's also lots of kind of succession and there's a succession interviews mm. out there. The most interesting of which was Brian Cox did an interview with um, Town and Country magazine. Did you okay. see the photos? Yes. They were fantastic. fantastic yeah. yeah. But he said in this interview with Town and Country magazine <laughs> that um, his infamous and brilliant co-star Jeremy Strong, his, his headline quote was, Jeremy Strong's method acting is fucking annoying. Don't get me going on it. Right? <laughs> now, I, I have lots to say about this. The main thing I have to say is, I think, and Jeremy Strong was asked about it, reacted in, in response and saying, basically, that Brian Cox is such a ledge. Yeah. They can say what the fuck you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, in, in the, and so he's in, interviewed in GQ, in the newest British GQ, uh, Jeremy Strong. So, so what I think is brilliant, though, 
is that these two giants of acting who are in the greatest show on TV that James can't watch because he finds it too <laughs> too difficult. Um, I guess he gives him the icks. He <laughs> gives me the icks, yeah. Um, can just say what the fuck they like yeah. about stuff. Refreshing. It's brilliant. And I, I mean, I've interviewed Brian Cox a couple of times for this yeah. very podcast, and he always just says whatever the fuck you want. He does. He does he's not, brilliant. He's I love brilliant. Him. He has no filter at all. No filter. Mm. Absolutely fantastic. Gives brilliant copy, as does Jeremy Strong. And I love that they both have no issue with it. Mm. It's so brilliantly grown up mm. and refreshing and, you know, not the, whatever the opposite of banal is, um, which normal, you know, acting interview, based, based interviews can often be. That so I think it's brilliant, but it's really, really funny that um, how, how contrasting they are and how Jeremy Strong is like, I'm going to carry on doing my, using my method, which is to literally like, almost become that person, you know, if the entire time he's on set filming yeah. and really get into this, frankly, you know, psych or borderline psychotic character. That was the um, New Yorker piece, wasn't it? Well, it was the New Yorker piece that, w that ended up being controversial in the sense that people felt his friends felt the need to defend him. Oh my him. god, so many of them. Yeah, it was it was in, it was it was it was major, yeah. So yeah, a lot of the description of his intense, shall we say, say that his method came from that piece, yeah. Mm. But it's clearly now he's going to be I mean, I I good on him for doing a huge interview, you know, and talking about it dressed as a boxer the whole thing was like you know you know the whole thing was like addressing it fully head on he could have just ridden I'm not going to talk about thing. that yeah because usually he'd you know publicists would be like right you can't speak to yeah. me about this yeah. he absolutely cannot but the yeah. fact that he's just exactly, done that yeah the whole thing is I actually uh, respect him a little bit more now completely yeah so uh, it's brilliant, yeah. And and Brian Cox did in the end say about Jeremy Strong, he's fucking gifted. When you've got the gift, celebrate the gift. Go back to your trailer and have a bit of marijuana, you know? <laughs> marijuana. thing to say. <laughs> so have a bit of marijuana. Like, not have, you know, he's have so a joint. You know, no. Have a bit of marijuana. <laughs> That's why Cox is a legend. He is a legend. It's a whoosh. We have a whoosh. We're going to drop this in. A bit of breaking news has happened since we recorded the Pilot TV podcast. A very small, minor, little thing. Kay, do you want to tell us what it is? This is the last season of Succession. Well, not this. This is the Pilot TV podcast. But <laughs> well, we're saying it's the fourth season of Succession. Because this would be one. a really one, shit season of Succession. This one coming up, it will be the last one. No more. We'll get to like see any more of the Roy family. It's, it's awful. Yeah. Except that actually, so this is this news broke from an interview with the New Yorker that Jesse Armstrong, creator and showrunner, gave, and he said he left the door open to go back to it to visit the world um, in some way, shape, or form. So it, I mean, it is it is sad news. I was going to say tragic. It's going a bit far. It's sad news. <laughs> it's it's not devastating news. news. It's fairly devastating news. Um, but equally, you have to admire. I mean, I thought there was at least another season. And I have to say, I, I was expecting it to go to five. Um, but you have to say kudos to them for deciding to end it when it's at its absolute peak of brilliance and, you know, all of that. I'm saying it's devastating news, but actually when I heard the news, obviously I was gutted because I loved, you know, watching them. But I thought actually this is the right decision because I don't know if it does have an, like fifth season in it. So we're saying it's for the good? Yeah, I think so. But sad news. You just have to trust Jesse Armstrong knows what he's doing. And if he, you know, he he if he feels this is the time, then, he you know, he's created... Um, you know, three at least three masterpieces of of series seasons of TV, and we assume the new one's going to be won't let us down. So, I mean, he knows what the fuck he's doing. Is my the bottom line? Yeah, it's totally up. To, it's a similar in a similar way to Stephen Merchant and Ricky Gervais knew what they were doing when they ended The Office. Yeah, after two series, it's, it's in that world, isn't it? But yeah, you have to admire it. 
similar to Faulty Towers, which got two perfect seasons and will, of course, not have any more. So that's... Yeah. Uh... Oh, don't bring that up again. <laughs> but, but genuinely, but this is this is a conflicting thing, isn't it? Because on the one hand, the creator has a story that he wants to tell over a certain period of time and you don't really want to go beyond that. But on the other hand, as a viewer, you just like spending time with these characters, yeah. bellends though they are. So it's like, the, do we do we sacrifice... You know, do we do we have a flabbier ongoing story so we can spend more time with them, or do we just leave it on a high and then rewatch it endlessly? No yeah. flabby storylines for us, thanks. No flab, just tubby. <laughs> See what hit that all roads, Call back. Yeah, all, all roads, roads lead to tubby. All roads lead to tubby. Yeah. No, Amazing. <laughs> that is the end of our news uh, special announcement. Back to the show. Okay, we head back to interviews. Because we have another guest. Uh, and we're in the 70s for a little rock and roll this week in Prime Videos, Daisy Jones and The Six, uh, which is embargoed, so you will have to wait for our review on Pilot Plus. Uh, however, that didn't stop us talking to two of the stars of the show. So here is Kay badgering Sam Claflin and Camilla Marone. Hi, guys. Welcome to the pod. Um, I wanted to start by finding out if either of you had read the book before getting the role. I read the book when I got the audition. And I was able to read it before I went in um, with the casting directors because I wanted to, I mean, to know. First of all, I, I initially read it because I was like, oh, I have this audition. I, I should probably read what the book is based on in case the casting director asks me or in case it comes up, I need to pretend like I did my homework. But then I actually started yeah. reading it and read it for pleasure and finished it. Uh, and for me, Yeah, for me, I, I got the audition through and was sort of given given the first two episodes i wasn't sure i thought it was a real band i wasn't sure they were, i didn't know there was a book um i i kind of came to the the whole casting process quite late i think they'd seen everybody uh, <laughs> before, <laughs> like the entire world auditioned for billy dunn um uh, yeah so for me I, I i was very unfamiliar with it i'll never forget reading first two episodes but being so so desperate to know what happened next. And I remember that sitting down with Scott Neustatter, the writer, and him kind of giving me a, a brief overview of like a synopsis of the whole story. I was like, you know, jaw on the floor. Um, but I, I managed to read the book just after auditioning. And yeah. you know, completely, you know, swept me away. Uh yeah, I was I was somewhat, somewhat uh, a big, big fan of Taylor Jenkins reading. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I, I'd auditioned and then I whilst the, the week that I was waiting to hear. Uh, I managed to read it in that time in the hope that it was going to work out. Yeah. It's got such a huge fan base. Does that add any pressure at all? Or... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sim simply. I've yeah. never been a part of something that already exists in the world. Mm. The films that I've done, you know, didn't come from a book. So there's obviously for me a different pressure. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm sure we all kind of feel, I wouldn't say pressure in a negative way. I would say a responsibility and an excitement to bring it mm. to the screen. Um, I think with everything that is art, it's controversial and it's subject, uh, subjective, but I, I do feel I've never had this many eyes on something I've done before. And I've never had people who um, are so invested in a project that, uh, you know, just come up to me and say like, you're in my favorite book ever. And <laughs> Mila's my favorite character in Daisy Jones and I want Billy to be with her. And it's really interesting because with books, you feel kind of like an ownership because you feel so invested in a book and it's such a personal thing to like have read a book and your opinions of it and you envision it a certain way. So there is an added pressure that it's, you know, that I think that the show lives up to. So 
Yeah. Why do you think so many? Why? What do you think the appeal is? Like, why do you think it's so? It's 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 such a unique way of of telling a story. I think through mm-hmm. interviews um, and and people remembering. Uh, what I love about the way that the book handles that is that you know there there are sort of juxtaposing or contrasting versions of events. There's someone going, "Oh, well, that was I hated that day. That was the worst day of my life." And then someone else yeah. going, the "Best day of my life." I feel I feel like it's just sort of so human and um, real. Uh, and I think, especially when you're looking back at something that happened 20, 30 years ago, your memory of certain events is slightly skewed. Um, so yeah, it, it, it felt, it felt, it felt really, you know, I, I personally loved the way that the, the you know, that the novel, uh, especially handled, handled that aspect and then bring, you know, translating that onto screen is obviously complicated and difficult. Um, but I think they did a really good job with the script too. So, yeah. Absolutely. Sam, you're playing the lead singer-songwriter, Billy Dunn, as you said, who, you know, it's a great role. What's, I wanted to find out what your musical background is. Like at, when you were younger at school, were you playing guitar or were you on the, like the triangle and the wooden fish? No, I couldn't <laughs> even get that far. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I was watching a video only earlier today, of the first day I ever picked up the guitar, which was day one of rehearsals. Um, oh, wow. And uh, you know, all I can say is I've come, I've come a long way. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've got a long way to go before I'm Jimi Hendrix, but I think I think there was definitely, you know, uh, one hell of a journey um, for me during this. And it's, it's the thing where I, I don't think I've ever like finished watching myself in something and gone, oh, I'm really proud of proud of that, you know. Uh, whereas this is this is definitely one of those moments, and not because I'm like pleased that I I hit nailed it or it was is a perfect performance, but I think just knowing how far I've had to come. Like musically, the only experience I'd had is musical theatre. Growing up, I think I was priest number four in Jesus Christ Superstar, and uh, um, yeah, and like the Artful Dodger in Oliver. And, and yeah, I mean, since leaving drama school, um, I, I've auditioned for two musical movies, uh, Les Miserables and Cats, mm. and both were the worst auditions of my life. I, <laughs> I, I, wasn't, I wasn't overly confident in my ability, put it that way. And so is, you know, is it you singing and playing the guitar then throughout? It It, it is. Yeah. That, that, that oh, is wow. Always. Somehow um, <laughs> I, was, I was blessed with like great teachers as well. Very patient, very <laughs> patient teachers. Um, but yeah, the guitar actually on the records is they were the most talented musicians that they could find in the world, basically uh, collaborated on this and made made the records, uh, the mu- the music anyway. But obviously in the show, that is me playing guitar, um, which is yeah. you know, quite, quite amazing. <laughs> it's um, it's called Daisy Lee Jones and the Six. And Camilla, I feel, is the sixth member. She's a cool cat. You know, the way she handles Billy and her just her confidence and her, her kind of self-assurance and self-worth. Camilla, what was that like to play? And how, also, how would you describe her relationship both with Billy, but also the dynamic with Daisy. Well, thank you for including me in the six. I always feel very seen. <laughs> have when people are like, "You're totally the six member." Yeah, of course. I think so too. Thanks. <laughs> Let's give credit where it's due. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I love about the relationship with Camilla and Daisy, the way it's written, is that it's never this catty, competitive, girly, one-upmanship of power. You know, there's mm-hmm. like a deep respect on both sides for Daisy to Camilla and Camilla to Daisy and like this boundary that, you know, is crossed, but there is just this like profound womanhood kinship, I think, mm-hmm. between them. Uh, and I like that they're never pitted against each other. And it's, you know, who's going to get the rock star guy? Like, they both are um, 
so strong in their own way, so incredibly different. And I think that they see the beauty in each other, like each other's strengths and attributes. Uh, I think Daisy can really respect that out of Camilla and sees what she brings to Billy's life. And I think vice versa, I think Camilla really sees how impactful Daisy is on his life and the art that she brings him and the joy that she brings him. So there's this, you know, painful love that the, each woman knows that the other one has something that they can't bring to Billy. For the relationship with Billy and Camilla, I, I mean, I'm a young woman, um, just went kind of through my late teenage years into my first early years of 20s now in my mid-20s and already have had such a journey in kind of like my evolution as a young woman. And I think that that partnership between them is is really beautiful and also very accurately portrayed. I do think relationships and life and love um, is messy. They're messy and it's never linear, mm. and it's never black and white, you know really up high highs and low lows. And I think that that's a very accurate portrayal for Billy and Camilla of what real love looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Sam, what do you think? How, you know, how would you sort of, from Billy's point of view? As someone in my mid thirties, um, oh. <laughs> my experience <laughs> life and relationships is sort of somewhat uh, evolved massively. Um, and, and I don't know, I, I think for me, there are so many conversations between Day, um, Daisy and Billy, well, Daisy and Billy, but also with Cammy and Billy, where you know I'm like I've I've been I've been here I've walked this road before you know I've said these words to someone in my life before I've felt this before I've been terrified of being a parent before so I, I felt for me very close to home like the emotions were very too raw for me at times. <laughs> um, but it, you know, and I think I think I posted something on Instagram like immediately after rapping saying this has been my therapy. And it really was, it really was just very therapeutic to kind of work out relationship issues in my head or, or emotional uh, um, things that I'd been through, whatever it was. It just, it just really helped me kind of work work on myself, I suppose I should say. Uh, but then kind of doing that with the focus of the, you know, the music and learning a new like skill, um, but having the opportunity to portray a dad for the first time on screen and you know, getting to bond with a, a little four-year-old girl. My daughter's the same age. So it was just, it was really, you know, a delight, honestly, to explore that relationship with Cammy, but definitely. I think a lot of people are going to relate to this, you know, like when they're watching it, because it's so relatable, right, in terms of relationships. Um, I was going to say how, you know, it's set in the 70s and you guys, well, everyone also behind the scenes done such a great job of capturing that in terms of the fashion, the styling, everything, the music. How do you guys find that? And like, were you a fan of the music from that, period of time i wasn't raised on that music um my parents uh, are from argentina and they moved here in the late 90s and i didn't really feel that it was a part of my upbringing so i definitely mm -hmm. had to do my due diligence and research and i just had fun kind of exploring playlists and educating myself i think you know an added pressure of when you're telling a story not only you know based on a book or something that already exists is also an era in time that people are very familiar with it's very iconic that people yeah. have a lot of feelings towards um there is a pressure to kind of live up to this golden era in in the music world yeah that was my first time doing something like that so i so i did study you know, just kind of musicians who was cool at the time, what the fashion was, who were the iconic people, who were the actors that were working at that time, what were like the moments in the 70s that kind of changed everything, whether it was like what was going on politically in the world or just share being an icon, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I just kind of did a like a little history backlog on that. So it was really fun to have the homework of learning about 
um, such an incredible era that yeah. I really didn't have enough knowledge on before. What about you, Sam? Uh, I think it's a dream come true as an actor, having the opportunity to explore different eras and different cultures. And, you know, for me, like burying myself in the music industry for the last sort of three years has been really amazing and eye-opening, I have to say. Like the, the the genius that goes into just writing a song or coming up with lyrics or, you know, I, tr- I tried my hand at writing lyrics and couldn't couldn't get even close to the writing a song, you know, Um mm. And there's a there's a real art to not only the music of that era, but also everything, like from the the, the, the costumes to the, the the set decorations. And you know, we were just earlier talking about the house that Cammy and Billy have. Where I mean, it's, it was I remember walking into that feeling like I was in a time warp. You know, it was yeah. it, it was incredibly like it's really um, well done. It's really just well done. it was just joyous, honestly. Yeah. Like walking around and and seeing everyone around you. And Cammy sort of mentioned in an earlier interview, walking around her hometown and seeing it transformed into a 70s kind of uh, heaven um, was, I mean, it's so true. Like even walking around L.A. now, I, I'm like, I see the same places where we shot and I'm like, I can't see it any differently other than yeah, the, yeah. as it was, you know, the, the way that we shot it. And there's an amazing documentary um, called Laurel, about Laurel, something about Laurel Canyon. Yeah. And it is, that just paints the perfect something sort of romantic. Yeah. I think it into the canyon. I can't, but it's, it paints the perfect, it sort of interviews all the musicians that lived in Laurel Canyon at the time. And the way they describe and talk about like the candlelight sort of through the mountain and like acoustic mm-hmm. music just sort of going through the air. It's just, it sounds so romantic. So having the opportunity yeah. to kind of you know, get stuck in with that was amazing. For fans of the book, right, it feels like we almost have heard the album because, you know, the the lyrics in the book and you feel, I mean, I feel like at some point I wanted to get a ticket to the the, the concert, right, because they were the band was so real to me. And what's really cool is that you guys, well, Apple Music are dropping Aurora as a real album to launch yeah. with the show, which is a very smart, cool move. Um, <laughs> I wanted to find out, Sam, are you singing on it? Oh, I am. Yeah, that's all. It's all me. Yeah, it's all you. Me and Riley. Yeah, it's that's it's, amazing. It's mind blowing. Honestly, I have to say, <laughs> it's one of the most exciting aspects you of an album out. Well, I have oh two my songs. god! I released two songs. <laughs> Let me tell you, I ain't getting no royalties. <laughs> so, so it's the uh, shame of it. Um, but no, on, honestly, having the opportunity to you know be in a, a studio space and recording with. You know, they had such incredible musicians collaborating on this. They had Jackson Brown wrote a song. Uh, Marcus Mumford collaborated on the, the big song, Look At Us Now, which has just, just come out. So check yeah. it out. Um, <laughs> but Phoebe Bridges wrote a song. I, I mean, but Blake Mills at the helm. I mean, he's he's such a, a talented, a talented man. But the whole music team, uh, the way that they, as I said, they had a huge amount of patience uh, for me and Riley who hadn't also had no musical experience. So I think, I think there was a, you know, a real, it's, it was a dream. It's a dream. It's a real dream. It's incredible. Okay. Well, since you're the man to know now that you now I know that you're fully on the album, right. As part of this, I would like there to be some merch in terms of a retro Daisy and the uh, six band t-shirt. So please they tell me that's already happening. Don't they worry. Exist. Oh. They exist. <laughs> there is merch for this show. There, well, I, so there was a day, there was a day when I, I was filming and uh, we were filming on the outside of the stadium, like for the Chicago concert. 
and I had to run past a merch stall uh, and obviously this made up merch store and I'd never seen any of these t-shirts and all of a Did sudden my take- face and yeah they gave me like seven different t-shirts with my face oh my god I was like, oh my god so I, I gave them all to my mom I was like you go, go and give these to your friends you know Sam like, what are you doing giving them all away hello so re- oh, I'm gonna walk around with a face <laughs> <laughs> no I meant I wanted I wanted one of your t-shirts I also I stole um there was a huge sort of floor to ceiling uh, poster of Aurora and the image oh, that wow. Abby takes, which I, st- I stole one of them pe- posters. It? So, um, yeah, it's it's still, is... still rolled up in the corner of a room at the minute. But yes, I, got nothing. I stole things. I didn't okay, get it. <laughs> it's all coming out now, Camilla. You should have stolen some stuff. I know. Oh, yeah. I didn't know the rest of the cast was doing it or else I would have gone well, down. They, they gave me different guitars to rehearse with. And then I was like, well, no one's asked for them back. So <laughs> I'm just going just to keep hold of this vintage. vintage. You've, got, you've got a massive loot from this. It's brilliant. It's amazing. Um, thank you so much. In my opinion, fans of the book won't be disappointed. Um, oh, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. And we're looking forward to seeing it on, on the small screen. So thank you. Thank amazing. you so thank much. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you. Bye. Let's move on to this week's reviews. You may, upon occasion, I think it's fair to say, hear me make a little good-natured fun of ITV, but what you will never hear me do is throw shade at the magnificent Unforgotten, uh, which remains one of the best shows, I would say, on British TV. Uh, And this week, the show returns without Nicola Walker at Sanjeev Bhaskar's side, but instead with Sinead Keenan, who's stepping in and ruffling more than a few feathers along the way. Boydie, will you be putting a copy of this fifth series in your backpack? (laughs) (laughs) The backpack does appear quite early on. Yeah. Um, we get to see uh, Sonny, Sanji Bascot's character, with said backpack, um, and it's a, it's a kind of like classic like hero shot off the backpack. It gets its full due. This is the fifth season, fifth series. Let's not use season in mm. the, for a British show. Fifth series of the, as you say, um, absolutely fantastic um, crime drama series. And the thing about the Makes Unforgotten so brilliant is it is it is a formula. I mean, it's it's always the same in the sense that the the two main cops and their team are investigating a cold case, and it always begins pretty much the first episode with establishing what the cold case is. In this case, some human remains are found up a chimney mm. um, in this house that's being renovated in Hammersmith, West London, I believe, and they discover these human remains, these bones. So it establishes the situation with the cold case, and then um, uh, you go back and you meet who slowly introduces the suspects, the main suspects. And what completely is to start with, you know, what is the connection between them? We don't know. So you see the, in this case, I think there's particularly four suspects and you see them in their specific different habitats and you slowly get to know who they are. And of course, at the same time, the detectives launch their investigation. So kind of like all the way through each six-part series, there's a parallel, there's an investigation and you get to know the suspects and in the end, you know, it's revealed who done it. But Chris Lang, who writes these, is such a brilliant writer because... First of all, the depiction of the cops, and in this case, um, Sonny Sanju Bascot, and the new character, um, played by Sinead Keenan, DCR Jesse, Jessica James, is so instantly real. Like the very first minute you meet her, she's going through, I think, the masterstroke um, that Chris Lang brings to this first episode where she's introducing this new character. We all have Nicola Walker. She's not in anymore. Huge big shoes to fill. And I know that in interviews as well, um, Sinead has said, you know, she was reluctant at first to take the role because of all those reasons, you know, it's big shoes to fill, etc. But he gives her this domestic crisis that's going on in her life the first time we see her. And that gives a whole another layer of intrigue and dramatic tension uh, for us to get 
involved with and for us to be compelled by. And Shinekina is brilliant. And I think I cannot um, congratulate everyone involved enough mm. in the casting of her because they could have gone for a massive star. Could, you know, she's she's just brilliant. She's just qu- kind of quietly brilliant in every single thing she does. She was in Little Boy Blue, the true crime thing. I think she won a BAFTA or certainly nominated for. She's just one of those actors who's just fantastic in everything. And good on them for casting her in this in this key role. And what may, also makes it interesting is she's got this crisis going on in her life that I won't specify because it is a spoiler. And, and that kind of helps and means that she's quite spiky and difficult. And she's like the opposite of Nicola Walker's character. And she's quite, and you think she might have the empathy to think, oh, this guy, you know, Sonny is still in mourning, still grieving for the loss of the previous woman who's doing this job. But no, she kind of rides roughshod over him and kind of, you know, almost doesn't want to go through with investigating the case to some extent, thinks, you know, she should spend her budget elsewhere. And that just makes it a really different, new, interesting dynamic dynamic between the two of them and the cold case that they're investigating is really interesting at the same time as well so it's a fantastic return for one of the best shows of its kind on tv i totally agree i think that you're right it was absolutely a genius move to launch with jessica going through this personal crisis because it's almost like it's hard anyway for someone to fill the shoes of nicola walker's character right for the new dci to come into that role and try and make it their own. So how could how could it be harder? It's like he said that to himself. And this is this is the way, right? For the person if the person was being a heightened version of themselves because they're going through this personal issue. Like that's the only way, you know, because Yeah. And it's just so smart because then she, as you say, she's spiky, she's blunt. I mean, she, she's blunt anyway, right? But she's just this heightened version of herself, which obviously Sunny doesn't know about. And so and as you say, she's the polar opposite of Cassie. I really also just like the little touches of how um, Chris sort of like conveys the grief that Sonny is going through in, I mean, some really overt ways, of course, but also the small touches. So like the fact that Sonny at one point, he buys two coffees. Oh God, that was was heartbreaking. heartbreaking, So it's just that those subtle, like just nice little beautiful touches. And yeah, the the cold case is interesting. But for me, it was all about seeing how they were going to introduce this new DCI. They, I mean, that was, they've done it superbly and how Sonny was going to cope with his grief the answer is not well but he is soldiering on Mm. so yeah just complete delight James what did you think it is it's I I love the show so much there's something kind of warm and just inviting about Unforgotten and I just I've every single series of this it's been like crack you watch the first one it's like I need all of them I need them in my face I need them now uh and this has a very different flavor to it is that you say because they like I always thought that Nicola Walker and Sanjeev, their energy was so lovely and just sort of like supportive and understanding and nurturing. And as we were talked about, it was like it was process driven, but it was like the opposite of line of duty. Like the interrogations were full of empathy and care. Like you got like the sense that they they really felt for these people. I thought it was wonderful. And Sinead Keenan comes in here. As you say, she's got this sort of like spiky, hostile, defensive energy. And Sonny's got proper like strop energy on as well. <laughs> Understandably so. There's a brilliant line that comes up. Because obviously, D.I. Sonny, why is he not a DCI? What the fuck is going on? The Met. Like, you know, come on, yeah. sort it out, promote him. But then, you know, that is addressed at one point yeah. in this, which I thought was very oh, nicely that was a done. Line. Yeah, I know. In terms of mic drop moments, it's like, yes, yeah, Sonny. That was a brilliant line. I absolutely loved it. But yeah, it's fantastic. I think the thing about this that annoyed me the most was that I was given the episode about three months ago and just one and I yeah. wasn't shown anymore yeah. and frankly it's been really upsetting <laughs> yes it's, it's very, very good it's a rationale 
You do have to, because you know, it comes in little small, small quantities. So yeah, mm. you've got to stretch it out. But yes, Unforgotten is fabulous. It is a joy to have it back and it is on ITV. It's on tonight, <laughs> Monday, 27th of February, 9 of the p.m. on ITV1. And I believe they're not, because I think most things these days, they're trying to put whole series of, so if something starts on ITV1, then they will put the rest of it on ITVX, but mm. they're not with iPhone. Yeah, of course. No, 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 no. It's a different kettle of fish. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, next up this week, we have The Diplomat on Alibi, written by Ben Richards. Uh, not the thing from the Fantastic Four, but in fact, the man who brought us the likes of Show Trial, The Tunnel, and the first series of Strike. This, however, is a six-part series following Sophie Rundle's British consul in Barcelona, looking out for, well, British nationals abroad. A job, I guess, that becomes marginally more taxing when a boy drowns under mysterious circumstances. Uh, and the official version of events starts to look a little bit dodgy. Kay, what is your, I don't know, diplomatic take on this? I enjoyed this. And I do you know what? I think it's such a smart move setting it in the British consulate. I mean, it's never been, as far as I know, done before. But actually, given that it's the place that, as you say, distressed nationals go, it's uh, rich pickings, right? Lost passports, fights. It's got so many different th- angles you could have to it. So much, you know, emotional storylines, intriguing, thoroughly entertaining stories. So I think, first of all, kudos for doing that. And also setting it in Barcelona is a, is a great city to have all the action taking place. So I really enjoyed it. I thought, um, so Laura Simmons, as you say, played by Sophie Rundle, is the f- sort of empath- Our Ada. Pardon? Our Ada. It's yeah. Our Ada from Peaky Blinders. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see because I wouldn't watch Peaky Blinders. Oh, too violent. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Right. Yeah. So I sorry. Thought, I sorry. actually thought, oh my God, he's having a seizure. Um, <laughs> I mean, he could have been. Yeah. <laughs> um, he plays sort of like a very efficient and empathetic consul who's assisted by a feisty translator called Alba and also a fun-loving assistant called Carl. And I thought the dynamic between all three of them I enjoyed and I thought it was very good. Plus, they are joined by Sam Henderson, who I was very into, played by Stephen Cree, who is the replacement consul general. And it's clear he's got a hidden agenda. So very intriguing as to what his game is. Um, as you say, there's the storyline of the boy drowning. His dad comes over from England to identify his body but also has a lot of questions because he doesn't think that the boy consumed drugs as they are saying and also he's like a bit fixated on this missing watch he has so what I really like about this is that there's this intriguing main case running all the way through it but each episode they're going to weave in like individual little smaller stories so there was some light relief in this first episode with a very raucous shall we say Welsh uh, Hindu <laughs> Here for the Welsh Hindu. Yeah. yeah, they do give yeah. that guy a good kicking, though. I mean, it's quite full on, isn't quite it? Quite full yeah. on scene, though. Yeah, but, you know. but also, you know, he kind of deserved it. Yeah, he totally deserved it. Get me wrong, but no, I but thought that did... was interesting. Like how far they went with giving him a good kicking. Mm. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, but I thought it was refreshing as well because you. How often do you see that? Two women giving this, you know, man a oh, kicking. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. Sure. I mean, not condoning violence. But, no, yeah. I mean, if anyone's quite, wondering what of. Kay gets up to on the weekend, yeah, exactly. then, uh, Kay has a well, vigilante, and a vigilante <laughs> sister. All I would say, there's one of me and there's two of you. So, um, <laughs> right. So yeah. Anyway, but I thought that gave some much li- like some light relief, and I I really enjoyed that. So um, yeah, nothing like a bit of GBH for light relief. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Before that, the comedy element of them getting pissed up. Before they give the guy the kicking. You were the one who brought up the kicking. I was saying, you know, the drunk raucous Hindu, the Welsh Hindu. Yes, the Welsh Hindu. So, yeah, overall, I really liked it and I was really intrigued by whether this Sam character is a force for good or if he is, because he's, there's hints that he's involved maybe with the local criminal underground. So, hmm, we shall see. But I'm, I'm I'm interested to find out. Yeah, I, I thought it was very enjoyable, very entertaining. I think the masterstroke is setting it in Barcelona. Like it could have been set in 
what kinds of cities in the world? <laughs> every every major city <laughs> like has... Like which, which city? No, I'm joking. Like, please listen. Them. Could have been Madrid, even just in Spain. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's but true. No, they've gone for Barcelona, which is an extremely photogenic mm. um, city that I happen to go to regularly because one of my best mates lives there. And so I thought that was a, uh, that was a key element that, that it really works sending it in Barcelona. Um, and I think it is an original. You know, there aren't many original ideas because that job of that she's got, Kind of, it's a bit like cop, isn't it? But it's a bit kind of person mm. looking after the needs of yeah, people as like well. Yeah, she's also a mediator. mediator. She's like a fixer. Yeah, yeah it's like a multiple yeah. task job, um, which has more layers to it than if it was just a a policeman or a cop yeah. or whatever, policewoman or a cop or whatever. And she sort of goes above and beyond. Yeah, well. she does. Yeah. So I thought, and I thought generally, like the gang in the office were quite convincing, mm. and almost like the dialogue. I wouldn't say it was, you know, the most witty and but it, it was like believable it's like almost like deliberately non-heightened in a way mm-hmm. it was quite authentic the dialogue felt quite authentic and real and the actual central i i was most interested in the central in the case in, mm. in in this first case and i think danny sapani as the father the devastated father of this kid who mysteriously dies was really good he, he particularly i think his yes, grief i agree and his mm. determination to find out the truth and it gets mul- and and the final scene of episode one which sets up more of a more of a twist and there's yeah. a little bit of a flashback really got me and now i really want to know what happened mm. to the guy so i thought yeah i mean it did what it needed to do really and also don't you think like danny didn't overplay the grief and like he was just yeah, it was no, very like yeah, yeah moderate oh yeah yeah there's a scene in the bar in particular that I thought yeah. was well, really well, well put together. Yeah, a particular character that I will not specifically state because I thought, you know, it's probably a spoiler. I felt was a little bit. I know who you mean. You know who I mean. Yeah. Like, I didn't. So one particular character didn't yeah. work for me. But yeah. But I very much enjoyed the relationship between uh, Sophie Rundle and her deputy. So mm. so Laura and her deputy. I thought they have a very informal, comically so at points, sort of like banter between them all, which doesn't really feel like employer employee. Yeah, and in but, fact, she has to say it. Yeah, she? exactly. Like, this like, is the line. This is the line. <laughs> no, but it's genuinely very funny, and I thought that was very touching. Uh, and that actually drew me in a little bit because it, it felt relatable and it felt fun and it felt real and the setting is fresh and gives it a certain a sort of sheen to it i think my only thing with this is like is the show's like it's good but it's not great so like it feels it's fine like it's it's good but i kind of feel again and i've said this a thousand times it's one of those shows where if it were in another era it would be appointment viewing like if it was 20 years ago you'd absolutely watch it but now i don't think this has enough to to make its voice heard among the clamor of all the other shows that come out. So it feels like I don't, you know, I'm not going to watch any more of this. That's not to say it's a bad show, but I just, I just don't feel that it it has enough to warrant I watching think, more. I think it has enough to warrant watching more. I know what you're saying. It's not like, yeah, it's not. I don't think it's on the top tier yeah. of peak TV or anything. Yeah. But I don't think it's trying to be equal. I think it's no. it's trying to do a job of of being compelling enough actually to, to and I will carry on when you're watching. I said particularly I, I think the final the, I would have said I would have maybe agreed with you all the way up to the final scene. The final scene got me. I thought, oh okay, now mm. I really I need to know. I'm hooked. I need to know what happens in this story. And that's all what it needs to do. So I think also, that, I just want a slice of Barcelona. It made yeah. me instantly want to book yeah. a ticket. Yeah, I was like, right, I've got exactly. to go to Barcelona. That is key. Yeah, it's Escapist. very clever from that yeah. point of view. It, it's got a lush mm. lush uses those lush locations in Barcelona very well and it's got a good hook for the for the central mystery and i think that's all it needs to do and it does that very well yeah it is loads of loads of perfectly good shows that you wouldn't watch but that's 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 very true that is very true but you're right like it is an interesting central mystery they've got compelling like interesting characters at the heart of it the father like you really empathize with him so you you do want to get to the heart of it i'm not entirely sure how the welsh 
Ten do fit into the overall story, but do you know what? I'm very well, interested to just, find out. They're going to have like sub sub storylines, yeah, aren't they? Kind of like yeah, supporting time, yeah. yeah, because there's so much for them to take on on a daily in basis fact, in Barcelona. And I think that's necessary because otherwise, just having that central case, I yeah. think. And by the way, it's such a, it's so true. If you've if you have been to Barcelona as often as I have, honestly, I, I every single time I, when I come back, when you're at Barcelona airport, there are British people. Gun banging on about how their passport stolen on mm. Las Ramblas or something. They all it's there is a lot of that petty crime and it's and it's Boys amazing how the Barcelona often, tourist board right here. Well, you just got to be careful. No, you just got to be careful. But it's amazing how every single time there's always people complaining about having something on the Ramblas. Next. Yeah, generally. Yeah, we went for an Empire office holiday to Barcelona. <gasps> what? Hold what? on. What the actual? What? When? This would have been. I mean, it was years ago. Probably what like. Not far off 20 years. Not about 15, 16, 17 God, years ago. I would love to see we the Empire boys in the Sangria. You were forced to go away together. Oh, yeah, we were forced <laughs> to go away. We were invited to go away. Basically, it was when we did the, I want to say it was the the uh, Revenge of the Sith issue. It sold extremely well. And so we took, we, we had an Empire office oh. holiday to Barcelona. So it was paid for? Yeah, by by, yeah. by the company, yeah. Wow. They, they yeah, took us all to Barcelona. Like away we went out. It was fun. We went to La Sagrada Familia. You had fun with, with like, we, yeah, we had a whole karaoke bunch of night. Yeah, we did all sorts. Oh yeah, it was quite, gosh. it was quite a giggle. I'm je- nice, yeah. Nice. I would like, uh, I would like photos of that, please. Yeah. Nowadays, we don't even get tickets to Thorpe Park, but you know, <laughs> back then, Barcelona. Actually, to be fair, Boydo, we did go to Euro Disney. Yeah, but Euro Disney is a thing, isn't it? Euro Disney is like a, you're going to go there and you go on the rides, whereas Barcelona is just going to a sit on a city yeah. break. It was, it that is weird. That is what it? happened. We went on yeah. a city break. Like, together. No, I've never, I've just never heard of that before. Uh, Chris, be going, James, Nick, well done. What a, what it was literally sight. everyone. Like it was everyone from the office, wow. and we had a big office then. It wasn't like it is now. There were quite a lot of people there. Aww. So yeah, it was, uh, it was good king. for you, James. Anyway, that's a nice segue uh, for you. But... Series two, the diplomat. Yeah, a magazine. <laughs> a magazine it. staff are invited on a <laughs> mysterious weekend to Barcelona. Someone gets killed. That's who done it. I would tune in for that. It's Chris Hewitt. That's who. Yeah, that, yeah, that's and true. And then he yeah. died. It's obviously Chris Hewitt. Uh The Diplomat, where can people watch it, boy? They can watch it on Alibi. Alibi, which is part of the UK TV network of channels on television. Is it is it called that? Because if you're going to murder someone, you can tell them you were watching The Diplomat on that channel and yeah. the police will just believe that's exactly. what you were doing. Yeah, exactly. Also, whenever I say Alibi, I'm thought, I think of Rowan Atkinson's pronunciation as Alibi. In <laughs> it's not as good as Tubby. It's, it's similar to Tubby, to be honest. Um, Ali B, uh, Tuesday, the 28th of February, 9pm, and it'll all be on UK TV Play, the, their um, you know catch-up service as well, I do believe, Kay. How wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Right, finally this week, we have Django on Sky, and this is an English-language reimagining of the 1966 Sergio Corbucci film of the same name. Uh, it stars Numi Rapaz as... Some kind of deranged gunslinger? And Matthias Schoenartz as... A hobo bare knuckle fighter who barely speaks. <laughs> Nicholas Pinnock is in it as someone who I think is probably a wrong one. Um, I'm not going to lie. Quite honestly, after watching just the one episode of this, <laughs> I don't have the first fucking clue <gasps> who anyone is yes! or what on earth this is about. I at all. So. At all. Happy. Because by the end of it, I thought, oh my God, I can't talk about this on it because I don't get what's going on. It's be like Star Trek thing again. Everyone's going to say I'm being stupid. No idea. I don't think I've ever heard um, the host of this podcast editorialise so much in the opening intro. (laughs) (laughs) Genuinely, it finished and I was like, I don't know how to introduce this because I don't know what the plot is. I genuinely don't know what it's about. I, I couldn't be more relieved and delighted. Yeah, not a clue. No idea. Well... 
None. Have you finished your intro? Have you got a little That's pun? it. That's no, all no, I've no got. Pun. I've got nothing. Oh God, I've got so, nothing. I, my, his yeah. mind is so blown yeah. by this thing that you haven't even got a pun to introduce the, mm. yeah. the segment with. I don't blame him. Well, Let, okay, okay, here, I'm going to do one on the fly. Let's hear from Boyd Unchained. <laughs> there you go. That's all I've got. <laughs> it's a reference to Django Unchained. Yeah, that's, that's good. It's, it's um, full circle, Boyd. Full yeah, circle. yeah, yeah. Well, I have seen the original, the, the film, The Django. But the like, Django. The D might be silent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. I'm just doing it in the same way. Ali B. And. <laughs> so what was the other one? Uh, Tubby. 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 Uh, the Django, the, the original, the, the Sergio Corbucci film, which is phenomenal, uh, which is also, which is itself really was based on um, Kurosawa. Kurosawa. Yo, yo Jimbo. Yo Jimbo, yeah. which is not a way of addressing James Dyer. Yo Jimbo. Jimbo. It's, it's actually that's film. actually my gamer tag. That's course, absolutely true. Oh, <laughs> of course it is. Yo Jimbo. Yo Jimbo masterpiece. Django, kind of like a western, a quite kitschy now, but at its time it was considered unbelievably violent but now it's kind of quite quaint probably in many ways I'm, I haven't rewatched it for years and I, I, I was kind of inspired to do so so I might um, crank it up later because it is, it is a brilliant film and uh, Sergio Corbucci the director was like kind of second only to to uh, what's his name you know Fistful of Dollars etc as being like a brilliant director of westerns really Sergio Leone so it's weird that they're, now they're coming it's just a something random thing I feel like to take this IP the, the intellectual property of Django and try and turn it into a new peak TV series. And as you say, as James has strongly implied, <laughs> it's quite confusing the way they... Oh, just a touch. The way, and it's, by the way, a completely different kind of story to the film. Yeah, so, like I know what Yo Jimbo yeah, is about. And yeah. even knowing that, yeah. having seen that, I right. still can't make head nor tail yeah, of this. So, and and you, you know what Yo Jimbo is about. It's, and, and Django is, quite, is more similar to that than it is to this in a way. There, so there is this kind of mysterious man, Django, played by Matthias Schoenartz, who is essentially searching for his daughter. There's flashbacks to him and his daughter mm. when she was like young and he's kind of looking for her but he is like wandering randomly from place to place um, and aimlessly, aimlessly while not speaking with very long hair while not speaking and he stumbles upon seemingly new babylon which is this city created founded by nicholas pinnock's character john ellis along with various other people it's supposed to be this oasis welcoming outcasts and this is all taking place kind of like you know in in, in a period where African-Americans particularly post-slavery are being, you know, abused and exploited, etc. And so this is supposed to be an oasis for all races and creeds in theory, but actually it turns out to be a bit of a nightmarish place as well. And Nicholas Pinskow has got loads of sons who kind of are all quite freaky and difficult. Really freaky. He's about to get married to um, Sarah, who is played by Elisa Vakari. She also has weird interrelations with his other sons as well. It's not quite clear what's going on there. There are quite random and sudden outbursts of quite extreme violence, which this is the show that I was referring to before, where Kay oh. was watching it sat next to me and she was like, oh, like flinching, <laughs> flinching <laughs> from the scenes of extreme violence that Tremendous. suddenly happened. And then T Numi Rapace arrives as this gunslinger and there is no big female gunslinger in, in particularly in Django as far as I can remember unless I'm completely misremembering that whole thing um, there's a lot of prostitutes in Django who are kind of and, there's, and there is a brothel bit kind of in there this is. that you have to have a brothel bit in any western and sure enough that pops, pops up with rampant gratuitous nudity 
Uh, and by the way, quite curious need to see of Lisa Vicaria, Sarah, when she's before she's about I've to get married. I've got an issue with this because yeah. what is the point of that scene well, other than to show knows. a leg brace? F you could, only yeah. knows. Yeah. It I think was the so point. Gratuitous. I think the point of that scene was to show how daring it's going to be. Well, uh, well just this, put a full frontal in front of a mirror yeah. for reasons. For reasons, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I think it's to show this is we're going to be like edgy and it's going to have nudity of all kinds <laughs> and it's going to be violent and we're really you know going there. But it is a mishmash of stuff. But like, look, not being funny, like, if you're going to adapt this story, and obviously they, they've spread it, it's going to be a series, so it's going to be a longer form oh, telling of these yeah. stories. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But, but the fundamental job of a first episode of anything is to set up yeah. the basic premise, right? Yeah. That is its only real job. It's to draw and, you in. And for people to understand it. And for people to understand it. I feel like if you don't even attempt to set up the premise of the show, yeah. you've kind of failed, yeah. right? Yeah. What's we, what's slightly odd is that this whole thing is is an Italian um, production, so it's kind of based on it's like a kind of TV return to the glory years of spaghetti westerns, which were Italian, you know, directed and written by Italians. And this is Francesca Comancini directs the show, Leonardo Fazzoli and Maddalena Ravagli write it, but it's all in English language. You know, mm. pretty much ninety percent of it is in English. There's occasional subtitle bit, but. Generally, it's in the English language, and you do wonder if something's got lost in translation because the storytelling is weird. It is really weird. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I, I actually quite enjoyed it, <laughs> Ma but mainly because I'm massively predisposed to liking any. I, I mean, I love westerns. I love Sergio Leone. Mm -hmm. I love Corbucci. I kind of love many of the really tawdry, cheapo ripoffs of Django that's been over the years. I love listening to Quentin Tarantino banging on about them as he does so much because he loves this stuff. And in fact, there's loads of references to Corbucci in you know once upon a time in Hollywood and it was mm. in Quentin Tarantino stuff so I'm totally predisposed to like it but even then I would say it really came alive for me when um, Numi Rapaz showed up with her random bout of massive violence but, but again Wait. I don't know what's going on there oh no yeah. not, not, I, not a clue. I don't care it doesn't no. matter but for me like are they just vigilantes at that, at that I don't point, know I think she's just an, she's just the, uh, a nasty person who's, really yeah, she's, is she she's, like she was yeah, sort of, who's like why didn't like necessarily get like that morality priest yeah I, I have no idea I don't know what her motivation was oh. I don't know what she was oh yeah no but I think none of it you absolutely don't know but it is a series so presumably you'll find out more about her motive. but I think my feeling was to start with she's just she's just the enemy of the guy who's going to get married in in, in I didn't even know that didn't even know that I think she is but I've also read that description somewhere as well but you're right yeah it's mean it's it's mysterious and baffling uh, but you know I kind of enjoyed the general gist of it but I would say and but she takes a huge amount of credit for that because those are the best scenes her uh, her onslaught was the best scene in the thing from a case looking at me like I'm mad because no because Literally it was so violent yeah it was that's the bit I finished that, that. As, as I referred back to what I was saying earlier yeah. I enjoy that kind of on-screen gratuitous okay. violence <laughs> um I would say it's it's not what the problem with it for me is, funnily enough, is not the the confusion of it and the randomness of it all and the fact that you don't understand what's going on at all because I'm just assuming that eventually you will. And actually, the ramshackle nature of it is quite... I mean, some of those petty westerns were incredibly ramshackle. But what they... This lacks, really, is this isn't... is style. It's a bit... The way it's shot fun isn't stylized enough for me it's a bit basic so really if you're going to do this if you're going to have you know return to the world of spaghetti westerns and if you're going to have massive outbursts of random violence without explaining what's going hmm. on you kind of need it to be a bit more heightened than this is what do you so, mean specifically i mean that the classic if sergio leone's classic spaghetti westerns are have an epic quality to them you know they they'll have long lingering shots of vast 
desert like landscapes yeah, in the none west of that. you know so and we're like well, not like the english like the english yeah like yeah. the english the, the english, english. Yeah, yeah. well thank yeah. you so much. yeah the english brilliantly tapped into that yeah mm. every shot of the english is like a beautiful oh, stunning. painting stunning yeah. this is like blah. there's like a few shots of new babylon they've done a good job of building the the, the town of new babylon but it has a but, it has a shot on a backlot feel yeah, in a way that right. the english feels like this is the great yeah, plains completely. you know there's no mm. there's no great there's no flair to the way this is directed or shot at all and for me, the only point, literally the only point of remaking this kind of thing is to have, give it visual flair mm. and excitement and a bit of razzle-dazzle and a bit of atmosphere visually. There is none of that. And that is a major issue for me. Yeah. I, I can't disagree with you. Kay loved it, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> no, this, this, is, this is just too violent for me. <laughs> Well, too fine and, and makes no sense. And yeah. all of the things that Boyd said, I just, mm. I just like, you know, it's like, oh, look, you know, but I just, again, it's what I said before, if you, if you cannot draw people in with the first episode, like I, yeah. I think fundamentally, it doesn't matter how good the show is, you're not going to get people to carry on mm. with it. Yeah. And I think because this is, it's very violent, but it's utterly nonsensical. So what, what you're saying about the diplomat, what you got there is a central mystery. You got a hook. You got to think, you want to know what happens. In this one, I don't know what's happening, let alone needing to know what happens. Mm. I'm just like, this is just lots of weird people being weird. Mm. And I don't know what's, where it's going. You know what other random things about it are? The music was weird. <laughs> you I don't know if you carried on watching it right to the end, but first of all, yeah. there's an eight or nine minute credits roll. I did not watch it to the end of the credits. For a TV show, mm. like you get on a, you know, like a Marvel film, you expect 10 minutes of credits. This is a TV show. It got to like at 43rd minute. I was like, oh, this is going to end in a minute. It's saying 55. Oh, yeah, right. Literally credits. Oh my gosh. I it was. I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" And, <laughs> uh, and the music for those—it's like an electronic synth-based um, thing. That I missed like all a, that. Oh my god! It sounds like a, like a thriller, twenty twenties thriller uh, music soundtrack. Than for this spaghetti western thing, it's completely that mad, inappropriate music. That's so funny because I got excited because I, I thought, "Oh right, it's got forty-five minutes," and then suddenly it like ended yeah, at yeah, thirty-five. Yeah. I thought things. maybe there's a post-credit <laughs> sequence, so I literally just sat there. Watching, you thought it had gone full like, Marvel? Ten minutes, yeah. like, what? But no, it just kind of dwindles out with this weird inappropriate music the whole thing is just a mess it's a fucking mess yeah so i was ba it is baffling bewildering not for me not for me either sadly no well, not for me sorry django uh also out this week yeah, django should we say when it's on oh yeah yeah that's a good point that's a useful bit of information let's <laughs> uh, share that when is it on it is it's on, on sky but you know what? Funny enough, it's on Sky. I think Wednesday. So it's Wednesday. Wednesday on on which Sky? On Sky Atlantic. Atlantic. Sky Atlantic. Then on Wednesday, Django is Unchained. Uh, we also have this week Daisy Jones and the Six, which is out on. I'm going to say Thursday. I have no real evidence to back no, that up. It's Friday. It's Friday. It's Friday. Fine. Daisy Jones and the Six, which is out on Friday. That's on Prime Video. We haven't seen it because it's embargoed. So we're going to review that on Pilot Plus on Thursday. Also out this week on Wednesday <laughs> is <laughs> The, the Mandalorian. Dum-dum. Uh, I have to say, I have to say, there is, as we record this, there is a pop-up experience oh, at Piccadilly yeah. Circus around the corner from the studio uh, of The Mandalorian where they not only have the forge where you can forge a bar of Beskar well you can't actually you can watch someone else forge you a bar of Beskar they've also got a band playing like rock versions of The Mandalorian music wow. serving like Mando cocktails with Mando photo it's brilliant I had a really good time I went down there and I'm going to be there first for the thing first thing Are in you? the morning you want to get your Beskar yeah, yeah. Oh. That's, that's, that's what I'm definitely going to do no it really made me excited for it coming back because I love the music and I love everything about it 
and I was really excited to do it. Now, we cannot review it on this show, uh, not because it's embargoed, although it probably is, because they literally aren't giving us episodes in advance of it airing. Uh, we could do it before Pilot Plus, because Pilot Plus goes out the day after this airs, but we're going to record Pilot Plus way before that, so that's not going to happen either. So I'm actually thinking we might be able to talk about this in one form or another on next week's show. Mm. Uh, we might be able to talk about it then. I mean, so, Kate doesn't give a shit. Yeah, but there's uh, my I've re- one of the reasons I say that is not an awful lot on next week. So I'm going to say we can probably uh, fit Mando in there. I think there's enough on. Is there? Yeah. I've got yeah. one thing there's on the calendar. There's always enough on. No, I'm sure we can find something. <laughs> uh, so, well, well, we may or may not talk about Mando on next week's show. Mm. Uh, um, but we will have Daisy Jones and the Six on Pilot Plus as well. You might get the next installment of the cultural exchange program, uh, where last week we swapped the traitors for the Inner Light episode of Star Trek Next Generation. This week, Kay is lined up to watch In the Pale Moonlight from Deep Space Nine, which she is proper psyched about. And Boyd is going to watch it as well, because uh, well, why I? not? Yes, yes you are. Which episode is it? In the pale moonlight, and yeah, but but we've yet to decide what I'm watching. Oh yeah, like God, what am I supposed to watch? Annoying. I mean, we need to. It needs to be something switch. short. I'm not going to lie. Well, All right, we'll have a think about it. It's going to be a right. surprise. It's going to be a surprise. Okay, yeah. great. We'll find uh, out what happens. We haven't. There's things we haven't done covered in, and also on. By the way, well, there are things we haven't. Abba Elementary in, also out. Is back. Yes, season is two, back. Disney Plus Wednesday, the first of March. Water presents faking Hitler starts on Sunday, which is supposed to be very interesting. Sex life, sex backslash life. Do you remember this? This was a Netflix absolutely gratuitous nudity, a okay. rampant sex drama based drama, American show uh, with Mike Vogel, um, Sarah Shahi, etc. That is back on Thursday, season two of that on the Netflix. A whole life with Jamie Demetriou that I mentioned in the beginning bit of what I've been watching. That's on Netflix on Tuesday, the twenty eighth. And I think that's probably mainly it. Okay. If you would like to sign up to Pilot Plus, you can do so at empireonline.com slash pilot TV for just $1.99 a month. Definitely worthwhile. And that's it for this week's show. I'm almost certain at least part of that was worth a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. So please do head over there and leave us a review. Only nice ones, obviously. You know, if you didn't like five it. Five-star only. Please keep that to yourself. That's right. Five-star like the 80s band. God. Yeah, indeed. Cultural <laughs> Judge your what review an awkward on James cultural reference. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start singing systematics and then you'll love it. Uh, right. You can find us all up on the interwebs at Pilot TV Pod, at James C. Dyer, at Boyd Hilton, and at K. Ribeiro. Uh, next week sees the arrival of You Part Two. That comes next week. So we may end up talking about that, but then we may do a spoiler special. So who actually knows? And if we don't manage to watch it before we record Pilot Plus, then you might be lucky enough to hear us talk about The Mandalorian then as well. This may or may not be the way. Pilot out.